join me and confront your fate. We've kept him alive so that he can die at the proper moment. Bring him to me. Let's find out where he is. If we find him, we can end this. I say we jump now! This podcast is sponsored in part by Benjamin Hart. That's me! And yours truly, Zach Arnold. And by participation from listeners like you. So let's tune in to another episode of... IPC. 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 The Intergalactic Peace Coalition Podcast. All the galaxies, all for you. Why, hello there, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Intergalactic Peace Coalition podcast, also known as the IPC. And we are broadcasting live right here on channel 1138.com, but also coming to you through the power of of iTunes and Google Play and wherever you listen to podcasts. We try to get it out there to as many of you as possible in as many ways as possible. And uh, yeah, we've got another awesome episode for you guys tonight. It's not going to be quite as scary as last week's episode, if you consider last week scary. Um, But uh, yeah, we had an awesome Halloween episode last week, and now we're switching gears back to something that probably actually, on second thought, actually is a bit more scary than last week's because we're going to be talking more Harry Potter. Exactly the last Harry Potter film, The Deathly Hallows Part 2. And uh, it's going to be a lot of fun, and we're going to be uh, getting into it very, very shortly. But before we do that, of course, introductions are in order. Um, My name is Ben, and Zach's not here yet. So... As you know, with Harry Potter, we always have our 
officially unofficial third guest co-host with us. So now he's number two on the list because Zach just didn't show up. He'll be here. But uh, we got Mr. Dominic Jones from Star Wars Underworld. How's it going? Hey, everybody. Since I've moved up the list, do I have to like start talking about Friends and, and Whataburger and <laughs> Texas sports and things like that? Do I, is that? Is that what's required of me? Because um, if, I, if that's the case, I have to go watch like nine seasons of television in order to be qualified to be the, the number two on the IPC. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what the qualifications are to become the the shark bait. I'm mm, not sure. I don't know. But uh, you know, maybe we'll have to ask him ourselves sooner or later and see. I don't know. He may not take kindly to that, but whatever. <laughs> um, hey, Zach, we'll what see. does it take to be you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, yeah, so he'll be here shortly. And we'll we'll we'll, uh, we'll we'll punch his buttons and get him riled up about that. But before we get into that, of course, we got we got a few bits of uh, news we should get to before we uh, jump into the Harry Potter discussion. You, you sounded surprised and there, Ben. You're like, we have oh, there's news this week. Wow! I just glanced at the notes, <laughs> even though I wrote them. I just glanced at the notes, and oh my gosh, there's news. Oh my, you're like you're like it's it's, it's I'm starting to think that Ben has been taken over by somebody else. Or like an alien or something, and they're like, figure. They're like, yeah. How do I do the show? What's what's next? News. Okay. Yeah. All right. Oh, we, we got to do the podcast, Ben. Oh, the podcast. Yeah. Yes, I knew all about the show. <laughs> oh boy. Okay, so really quick, we want to kind of get into this um, because there's been quite a bit of big news um, from several different franchises, and a couple of them. It pertained to a, a couple. The what? Nothing. Keep going. Oh, sorry. I, I, internet's breaking up tonight, so just bear with us, guys. But uh, we got news about at least two huge TV series, one from the past and one that's currently going on, that are apparently getting the movie treatment, that are actually going to be transformed into or spinned off into i don't know exactly the wording into feature films spun off. um both what Sp- spun off and it sounds spun like somebody off. just dropped something <laughs> <laughs> sounds like there's a ghost the ghost is it of is there is are we are we, do we have ghosts again we have ghosts. tonight it's a ghost the ghost of of podcast past <laughs> or moss perhaps <laughs> Oh God! Here we go again. Not again. See, I was hit lamps, then hit dabs. All fun. I am so confused. I just love the story that apparently this man had no idea about the actual moth memes on the internet, (laughs) but decided to go as a moth on this show, and then proceeded to after the show go, "Oh my gosh!" and freak out in the chat because. (laughs) Hey everybody, Zach Arnold. (laughs) Oh man, it wasn't my brightest moment, I'll put it that way. (laughs) In in your defense, Zach, I hadn't heard of the moth memes, and I found out about them after the show, but I just assumed you knew about them and were referencing them. And then when you didn't know, I was like, wow, talk about about the universe. Universe intervening there. Clueless, apparently. Yeah. Uh, I I was just trolling, and Moth was the first thing that came to mind. Maybe my subconscious knew about it, but I was not acting out on that on purpose. 
And yeah, one thing just kind of led to another, and here you go, Zach Mothman Arnold. I don't know. Zach, <laughs> that's your new nickname. Gone, gone are the days of shark bait. Now it's oh, Mothman. Dude, those have been gone for years. <laughs> I haven't worked at that summer camp in like six or seven years. Nah, nah, shark bait forever, my friend. Dude, I love that movie still, mm. and I and I do and I do love that nickname because I like I still see people on my school campus who I used to work with and they still call me shark bait. And oh, so nice. Nice. maybe, maybe it's not fully gone, but uh, I haven't set foot on that campus in probably four years, mm. maybe, maybe three. It's just, it's, it's not a part of my present anymore. So, you know, all you can do is move forward. Yeah. Either that, or we got to just like take you out into the middle of the ocean, dip you in the, in the water, see if we can attract some sharks. And then all of a sudden it'll be back. Yeah, 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 because I'm not the best swimmer, so I probably would be actual shark bait. Well, we'll put it. We'll put. We'll tie a rope to your ankle so we can <laughs> can drag you away. So you can pull me back in. Yeah. What's on the other end of that rope? An anchor. <laughs> I was gonna say Ben, but you know, an anchor. <laughs> <laughs> Same thing. <laughs> oh wow! Okay. <laughs> wow. <laughs> So we're both shark bait now. Jeez. <laughs> You're stuck with me, man. You yeah, are stuck yeah. with me. It's it's a it's a it's a it's a, a literal and a, and a spiritual rope between us. Yeah. Mm. But okay, so let, let's get back to what I was actually trying to say a minute ago before I was so rudely interrupted. <laughs> um so AMC had a couple big announcements this week, or, or actually, I think one was one was Sunday, and one was uh, I think today or yesterday. But uh, of course, AMC was kind of leading up to The Walking Dead with its "quote unquote" last episode for Rick, and so they were leading up to that. And everyone assumes, oh, he's going to die. Well, no surprise. Rick is getting three movies, three Walking Dead films that are coming at some point they're going to star andrew lincoln as rick and then on top of that amc also announced that breaking bad will also be getting a film of itself starring um uh what's his name i, I, I know there's there's no cast yet but it's it, it seems to be it, it seems likely that they'll get back people like Aaron Paul, Brian Cranston. Yeah, because I, I, I maybe, maybe I heard a rumor that something, that some speculation. But I heard it was going to be Aaron Paul as Jesse yeah. after the events of the show. That seems to be the speculation that's out there, or some people seem to think it's happening. I can't tell where that actually comes from. Uh, all I saw was that uh, Cranston was asked about it, and he said he hasn't seen a script yet. He doesn't know. Uh, but he's, I, I think he'd come back for it if they asked him. Although that would take some uh, clever, clever um, rewriting, some uh, some workarounds, Rhett, some retconning, yeah, some creative or, storytelling, or some flashbacks or something. Probably flash, yeah. probably flashbacks, probably I mean, flashbacks. But I, I mean, like, I don't, I don't know. I, to be honest, I've never seen Breaking Bad, so. That's you great. Know, you hate me watch all it. you want. <laughs> should watch it. It's uh, good. Yeah, I know. It's a good I know. Show. But I know. I've I've heard great things, and I do want to watch it. And maybe this movie will finally get get my butt in gear to actually watch it one of these days. But like, I, I mean, Brian Cranston really is. I mean, he he's of course a star, but also like everyone like thinks of him. So if you're doing a Breaking Bad movie, 
like it would kind of be weird not to have him involved somehow. Yeah, even if it's just for like one scene, you would you would have to have him. Have yeah. to. Yeah, I mean, Cranston needs a job because right now he's just a Steve Jobs wannabe on commercials. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, gotta gotta gotta, gotta put Brian Cranston back to work. Okay, so and getting back to Walking Dead, um, I've seen a bit of Walking Dead, not much. I know, I, I know, Zach, you've seen some of it. I've seen um, enough to know to stop watching after about <laughs> season three, because then it just gets redundant. Yeah, yeah. Dominic, have you seen any Walking Dead? I slept through two Walking Dead panels at Comic Con four years ago. That's that's enough. So that's 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 great that's, affiliation. That's man. my that's the my. I uh, entire... am your mother's brother's father's second cousin's former roommate. Yep, pretty much, pretty much. I slept was... through a uh, slept through a Walking Dead panel. Slept through um, two Walking Dead panels. One for the Walking oh, Dead. Oh, two. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm so, <laughs> one for excuse me. One for Walking Dead and one for Fear the Walking Dead. Um, and it's yeah. funny. Fear the Walking Dead is the one. Sh- that I've seen like full season of like I watched the full we we both watched the first full season and talked about it on this show way back in the day that was um, a long time ago yeah a long in time a, ago another universe another timeline holy crap I'd almost forgotten that yeah it's crazy but like I don't know like I mean like I'm I've I kind of follow the show like like I like to Instead of being like someone that's you know avoiding spoilers, I will like read spoilers because I know you know generally what what the show is about, and I was curious what was going on with this, and you know it was kind of hard to avoid spoilers after this because they made this huge announcement about it. But like, you know, I'm not a fan of the show. I don't know what fans, true fans of the show, think about this. But I mean, I don't know. Like the show seems to have meandered a lot. Yep, like, that's what the general consensus I get from people that do watch the show. So I don't know what they're planning to do with, you know, three movies. Like this is a pretty big deal. And like, I don't know, like what's the show going to do after like you have these three movies and what's Rick going to do in these movies? Like there's so many questions. Here's a cow. They're kind of in the bottom mid section is the teat. And right next door to it is AMC milking it for all it's worth. Mm. I was trying to figure out where that metaphor was going. <laughs> um, yeah, I, 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 I was, I was milking it for a little bit there, wasn't I? Yeah, ah. it does. It is, it is a little bit strange to me that AMC is kind of. It's like they had these two big, um, sort of big, sort of cultural touchstones for a while: Breaking Bad and Walking Dead. Breaking Bad ended. You know, Breaking Bad told one story over five seasons. Uh, and it reached the natural ending point. It ended Walking Dead. They've kind of kept it going. They they spun off Breaking Bad into to Better Call Saul with a prequel, which is in a lot of ways just as good um, as Breaking Bad, although it hasn't quite captured the the culture the way Breaking De- Breaking Bad did. Um, and now it's sort of like there. It does kind of seem like like you're saying, Zach, that they're just kind of. They're just milking it for all it's worth. They keep going back to the well, and they because ha- they haven't had much luck creating new um, new projects that really resonate with people uh, the way other networks or streaming services have, like Netflix or HBO or you know places like that. They haven't they haven't haven't, haven't had another real hit since uh, since uh, those two. Well, I guess Walking Dead's still on the air, but since the glory days of of Walking Dead and Breaking Bad. Uh, it's, like, it's they, been they a while seem, since the glory days. 
like I don't know. It's just weird how they keep just. I mean, I know I've heard like conflicting reports about how, like how good ratings are for Walking Dead, but like they keep spinning off stuff. They've got Fear the Walking Dead, which I've heard is completely changed and might actually be good now. <laughs> um, and like you have this show that I think I just hear people like I don't watch it, but I hear people complain about it all the time. And now you're getting not one but three movies. Like it's a bit, it's a bit much. It's a bit much. I mean, I think, I think, like you know, I don't know. They don't like this. Isn't some well beloved show? I think most of the people that probably watch it are just waiting for something to happen. Hmm. Yeah, it it does sort of seem like it's 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 um, playing to its audience now. It's 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 given up sort of. Uh trying to be accessible to more people which to be fair it's on season nine uh and it's just sort of playing for the diehards and so it'll be interesting to see if they try to recapture recapture things with these movies but like are these movies going to be in theaters or are they tv movies that's my other question are these theatrical films or are they these are feature films but i they i don't know i you know i'm I'm, I'm curious because amc is a tv network uh you know there was a story there was a story this week uh or not this week a couple weeks ago about uh, the final season of Game of Thrones. There was an interview with D- yep. David Benioff and D.B. Weiss, and they had they yep. said their original plan for the final season. They and they pitched this to HBO was they wanted to do three theatrical movies. Um, I'm reading my mind. Though. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> it's just you know I'm just reaching across the reaching across the continent and stealing your ideas. Um, and uh, and and uh, they and HBO was like. Um, we're a cable network. We don't do movies. So or we don't do theater movies. So we'll give you the budget that you want, but you have to make it into, you know, six episodes or yeah, six episodes. So, uh, it, I, I wonder, I'm, I'm wondering if these are really more, they're going to be like one night television events rather than movies that you go, you go down to the local, the local cineplex and, and buy your, buy your um, ticket and go in and get your popcorn and everything. Dude, is Canada still living in the 1960s or something? <laughs> Where the hell is a Cineplex these days? Well, we, so our, our, like our sort of AMC chain is called Cineplex. Like that they, they, but it's like, it's like an AMC or whatever where you get, it's like, but it's just called Cineplex. That's its name here. Funny. Yeah. I was just messing with you more than anything. I'm I'm with you. I'm with you in that boat, honestly. The the idea of it coming out maybe like three consecutive weeks or something, you know, the or or they release them once every year. Yeah. You know, some some kind of big release that happens every year. That would be a really great way. Or to maybe it'll be like, like the last bunch of uh, David Tennant Doctor Who episodes where they were like, there's like one in January, one in April, one in September, and then one at Christmas sort of thing. Like maybe it'll be something like that. Ugh, I miss David Tennant. <laughs> Jody Whittaker, man. Jody Whittaker's kicking ass, taking names. I, I've I've heard good things about Jody Whittaker, but I still miss Tennant. I, I'm I'm not gonna stop missing Tennant. Ooh, that was a good one. <laughs> gonna stop missing. I'm Tenet. not gonna stop. Don't stop. stop believing. <laughs> yeah, my voice is gone, man. and uh, I'm soothing it with uh, with happy juice. Just FYI. Shocker. Shocker. <laughs> so this is going to be a fun episode. Oh, dude, you should check the private chat. I've labeled my drink the kiss of death. Ouch. 
which is great because I have to work tomorrow. Ooh, have fun. <laughs> it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, another, all right. So, no, yeah, yeah. No, I was about to say, let's let's yeah. go to you, our you, next you, element you take, before, you take. before I'm too drunk. We uh, <laughs> Shush. You're not supposed to laugh at that. I was saying before it happens, not as too it late. happens. <laughs> we got our first look at uh, Superman and Lois Lane from the Arrowverse crossover. Tyler Hetchland is returning, and we see Elizabeth Tulloch as Lois. Um, I'm curious what you guys have to say about this. It's been a while since I've uh, been in the Arrow universe just because of time and because I've been re-watching Game of Thrones and things like that. Um, what, what, do, what do you guys make of, of this, of this look and this, uh, what is it? It's, a, it's kind of a supernatural crossover a little bit, isn't it? Yeah. So, yeah, go ahead. John. I was just going to say about the, I don't know anything. I'm, I'm kind of with you, Zach. It's been a long time since I've been, uh, in the Arrowverse. Um, I, I fell off after about halfway th- through season four, I want to say of the flash, whichever one had Draco Malfoy in it. Um, that was sort of the last bit I watched and I'd given up on Arrow the previous year and never really got into Legends of Tomorrow or Supergirl. Um, but uh, it looks the, the, it looks visually interesting, but I, I got uh, I, I got to say I haven't haven't been following the Arrowverse, so I can't I don't, I don't know if I'll, I, don't, I have no idea what's going on, where everybody's at and what's uh, what could possibly be leading to this. Yeah, I don't have a whole lot of context either. I've never really watched Supergirl, you know, much at all, like other than the episodes with Superman, which I liked. Um, and Save I saved really, yourself a lot of time, my friend. Yeah, yeah, I know I did. Um, and I, I really liked that Superman. I really liked the Superman, and so that's that's why I'm really excited to see this. It feels very, very Superman the movie to me. Like it gives me that vibe, that kind of seventies vibe. I don't know if it's, I don't know what about it does, but just just does. Um, and I'm not like up on like I'm kind of like you guys. I'm like the only show that I'm paying attention to is Arrow right now. Like I even I started Flash and I'm like, ah, oh, this is not going anywhere again. So uh, maybe I'll pick back up on it. But you know, Daredevil exists on Netflix, so I haven't really you know had the time or the energy to watch anything other than that. But uh. You know, it's uh... Smallville. I'm a dumbass. <laughs> what? I called it a supernatural crossover. <laughs> I thought you were Smallville. <laughs> what? Tyler Hetchlin is from Smallville. He's not from Supernatural. I'm a dumbass. He was he, he, he was not Clark Kent on Smallville. So where does Hetchlin come from? Is he the Superman from Supergirl? Yes, he's that. He's from yeah. He's that Superman. If it was if it was a Smallville crossover, I would be first in the line to watch. I don't. That's care. what I thought this was. Okay, now I'm even more bummed. Yeah, I don't. I don't watch him, that. Guys, he's drunk. I don't watch that in half in a flash. I'd be right there. And speaking of Flash, Stephen Amell, aka the Arrow, is going to be the Flash in this crossover. Like. The worlds are completely turned upside down. It's like completely different universes. I'm kind of intrigued by that, Mm. but at the same time, also kind of worried. Mm. So, like, there's some. I am looking a lot towards this crossover because you've got apparently Elseworlds with 
Barry and Oliver trading places. I don't know if they're actually trading, like, you know, I don't know if it's going to be, like, Barry. I thought, it was, I thought it was a completely different universe where their fates just go a different direction. And well, yeah, Oliver I think that I think it's kind powers. of I think it's kind of like going to be, uh, you know, a flashpoint. They've already technically done flashpoint, but right. this is going to be like the true flashpoint where, like, everything is messed up. And then and then you have also in addition to having. Oliver Queen in the Flash costume because for whatever reason and you know Barry Allen and in, in as the Green Arrow you also have this guy Superman in a black costume um, which you can actually see also on Tyler Ochlin's uh, twi- uh, Instagram so I don't I don't know where this is going but like I'm I'm hoping I'm hoping I can have enough context to actually enjoy the the crossover because I probably I like. You know, most of the shows I will have not watched by that point, but we'll see. I'm looking forward to this. This looks cool. Yeah. December 9th, 10th, and 11th, a Sunday, Monday, Tuesday event. Hopefully with events like this, they make it so you can kind of jump on. I remember a while back they did a uh, Flash Supergirl crossover that was a musical episode, and I think that was actually the last thing that I watched, but I like came on to that. I was so into it. I came on to it like... Uh, just because they were doing that and I thought it'd be kind of interesting and I hadn't watched either show in quite some time and I jumped aboard I'm like ah this is pretty fun I I, I, they didn't it wasn't it wasn't too deep into the mythology uh, or anything it was just kind of a little surface level thing and and if you know if the world has turned upside down as you're saying hopefully that means it's it's relatively easy to jump on because all you need to know is the world turned upside down yeah and also thing that i think is kind of smart for them to do is they're not including all the shows this this year like legends of tomorrow is apparently not going to be part of this it's just going to be flash arrow and supergirl three nights whereas the last one was i i fully committed to that one even as someone who didn't watch supergirl they advertised oh supergirl is the first episode in the crossover like this is this is a big deal and then i'm like oh i'll watch it and then I watched an entire Supergirl episode where I had no idea what was going on, and it, you know, it was Supergirl, so you know, it just you know, you know, there you go. And like the only thing about it that was connected to the crossover was like at the very end, it's like <laughs> they're in Supergirl's apartment, and then Cisco and Barry just drop through a, you know, a portal, and they're there to tell, oh, hey, we've got this thing going on. That's like the last thirty seconds of the episode. I'm like, well, thank you for wasting my time. All right. Well, hopefully it's good. Hopefully they don't do that again. Yeah, yeah. That was just my uh, my ranting about that. So yes. So are we excited about any of this news that we're talking about? <laughs> Apparently not. I'm I'm excited. Like, I'm excited for like, I'm excited for a Breaking Bad movie. Okay. Re- regardless, I, even if it like even though I don't think it really should happen, I I kind of want to see it. Well. Let's talk about something that we can get excited about, shall we? Yes. Yes. We, we Off the top, we talked about TV shows turning into movies. Well, let's talk about movies turning into TV shows. There's definitely plenty of that happening on the new Disney Plus streaming service. Uh, it was officially announced that that's going to be the name. And they're adding quite a few shows on top of The Mandalorian to entice you into subscribing to this new platform. And uh, one of them 
is a confirmed Loki-oriented series from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And then just yesterday, November the 8th, uh, it was announced that Rogue One's Cassian Andor is going to be getting his own series as well. I know you guys probably talked about this at length on the SW podcast like the day that it broke. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm going to give my two cents for for just a second here, if By I may. Means. No. Uh, well, screw you, dumb. <laughs> <laughs> screw you and all the other dishonorable cows in your family. Wow. Whoa. <laughs> they have crossed the line. <laughs> Dishonor on you. Dishonor on your cows. Dishonor on your cow. Okay, now okay. we've definitely crossed the line. Ben, make a note of the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is getting weird. Uh, What, no, uh, no Mulan references allowed anymore? No. Oh, is that what that was a reference to? I thought you were just doing an offensive accent. Uh, well... Okay, moving on. <laughs> I am of the opinion regarding this Cassian Andor series that the uh, the the premise is really solid, but the timing isn't quite right. That's that's the that's the vibe that I keep getting on a regular basis. Is back when Rogue One came out in 2016, there were a lot of new characters. There was a lot of new and different happening even though it was set in a time period that we were relatively familiar with, it was, you know, predating the stuff that led right up to the events of a new hope. So we, we kind of had an idea of what was going on, but it was mostly new people. You know, we, we didn't really have uh, a whole lot to go on. We had Mon Mothma, we had Bail Organa, we had Princess Leia at the very, very end there just wasn't a whole lot of familiar faces to go off of. And for that reason, Rogue One got critically uh, dissected, more or less, because it was hard to get invested in the new characters for some people. I myself quite enjoyed it. I saw the movie seven times in seven days, and I haven't done that your, to your, any other. Your definition, huh? your definition of critically dissected is quite interesting. 85% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's it still gets dissected, man. It's it still gets talked about to this day. Like, I, I've got I've got a friend that swears that Rogue One is one of the worst things to happen to the Star Wars universe, and I'm sitting here going, um. Well, your friend would be wrong, and you need to stop. Spend, you need to stop spending time with them. I'm worried it, about the people you're you're hanging out with, Zach. You need. Hey, <laughs> I hang out with you on a semi-regular e basis. E exactly. So see, we'll see what I mean. I'm worried about the people you're hanging out with. <laughs> Your judgment is clearly uh, mm. questionable. Mm. <laughs> Woo! Somebody just dive-bombed me like a kamikaze. Get out of here, fly. What are you doing in my room, anyways? Anyways. No, back, no one invited you, fly. Back to Rogue One. Those, those things are only supposed to live like 24 hours, but that thing woke me up a couple of days ago, and I was like, screw you. Anyways, um, to Rogue One, it, uh, I, I can see where the argument comes from that it was hard to get invested in the characters. Completely new area, completely new characters, no Jedi to latch on to, no bounty hunters really to, to, to get super involved with. It was, it was different, and people resist different with every fiber of their being. Um, 
So if they had done a Cassian Andor story beforehand leading up to Rogue One, I think people would have been a lot more invested in Diego Luna and his character leading up to the events of Rogue One. And if you had included a couple of other characters, maybe Admiral Raddus or, you know, somebody else that was that was involved in what was going on, you'd be excited to see them show up on the screen instead of confused when they show up on the screen going, who's that? So I think there's definitely like an opportunity now for people who have never seen the series before, who have never seen Star Wars before. You can now introduce them to the Cassian Andor series before they watch Rogue One, and it might make Rogue One make a little bit more sense to them. But doing it in this sense almost three years later, for people who've already seen Rogue One and already know Cassian's fate, I, I really, really need like a really solid story that preludes the events of Rogue One in order for me to get on board with this. The Mandalorian... Completely different, completely out there, completely mysterious. We have no idea which direction it's headed. But they've kind of boxed themselves in because we know Cassian's endgame already. So I'm curious to see what they do with that. Yeah. yeah. Arguably, we already, uh, like with Star Wars, because we're always sort of looking back from where the the, the main story is, There's a, there's always a certain amount of but we know how this ends up. And well, I mean, to to counter my own point, I got really invested in the Clone Wars exactly. and we know where the Clone Wars was now, headed. Now you're reading yeah. my mind. That's exactly where I was going. Yeah. Uh, so I, I I I fully expect this to to work out. I I would I would the whole thing about people not knowing the characters in Rogue One before they see Rogue One. I was sort of like boo effing who like you go to see most movies and you don't know who the characters are you don't need a tv show to get invested in them uh and, but you know if somebody doesn't like rogue one they don't like rogue one that's fine i'm not here to change anybody's mind but that that's an interesting criticism that that people would throw out there at it um but uh, look, I'm I'm fully excited for this. I'm actually more excited for this than the Mandalorian. Um, I'm very excited for the Mandalorian too. But just uh, the p- potential of of uh, you know tie uh, uh, you know I, the, Cassian is a character I've already are, I already like I already know and like and and Diego Luna is an actor I know and like I don't even know who's in the Mandalorian. Um, and and so just the idea of having more time with that character and having more just more. Um, Star Wars celebration panels and and uh, talk show appearances that this actor does, uh, it's just that kind of that kind of excites me as much as the show itself, which is kind of weird. Yeah. Um, but it, I yeah, I, I'm super stoked for this. I can't wait. Um, you know, Mandalorian is going to be awesome. Season seven of Clone Wars is going to be awesome, and this I'm very hopeful about it as well. Yeah, and I I mean I know a lot of people who love Rogue One. I mean I I love the movie too, but like. Some people think it's their, you know, absolute favorite Star Wars film, and I'm I'm not sure I go that far, but I love the film, and I'm, I'm I need to watch it. I haven't watched it in quite a while. So I need to revisit it pretty quickly. But uh, I know some people who don't like it either, and I and I think one of the ma- major complaints maybe that I've heard over and over again, whether it you know be valid or not, is that you know the characters maybe weren't as fleshed out or, or, you know, some people have said, oh, you know, I didn't, 
I didn't care about them when they died because of whatever, because I didn't get to know them better or whatever. And like that's that's fair. Like I don't feel that way, but whatever. Um, so like hopefully for those people, anyone that, that came out of Rogue One disappointed or not invested in those characters, even three years later, hopefully they can get something out of this and hopefully they can understand Cassian a bit better. Like I think Cassian's probably one of the more fleshed out characters that you get to know better, but still you can do a lot more with him. And I mean, you can, I mean, that scene at the end where he dies, like that could be so much more powerful considering what could be in this show, like what he could go through, what we learned about his past, where he's been. And, you know, as we talked about on, SMU this week, which you should definitely go check out. It's the latest episode of the Star Wars Underworld podcast, um, where we discussed in depth about, like, you know, what if there's flashbacks? What if there's, you know, hints at his life, even in the Clone Wars like that? He's been at this fight since he was six years old, as he says. Like, so many different things that could make his journey in Rogue One that much more, you know, impactful. Yeah, I agree. Looking forward to it. Was I supposed to say something? I suppose. You could say something, or I could have said something. I, I mean, I, I could have said something, but... I, I mean, it's I a podcast. Really have... Someone's supposed to say something. I didn't, I didn't really have much to say. I mean, I'm going to watch it, obviously. But I, I'm just voicing my, my hesitance and my concern and my opinion that I'm probably going to enjoy... John Favreau's The Mandalorian more than I'm going to enjoy a story about somebody who I know is going to die. Yeah, I'm not sure which one I'm more excited about because I'm I'm intrigued by The Mandalorian by what we don't know, but I'm also excited by what we do know about Cassian. Like you can pretty well predict what this series is going to be based on what we know about the character. Whereas Mandalorian, it's still very much up in the air, and I think that's really exciting to me that you know the possibility of like it's a blank slate. Yeah, but you know, there's definitely advantages, and you know, each of these series is not going to be for everyone. And people saying like, "Hey, you know, it's overload, whatever." Like, you don't have to watch it all. You don't. But this is going to hit different people in different ways. Some people are going to like the Mandalorian. Some people are going to like this Cassian series, and that's okay. If they don't like the other one, that's okay too. Well, the interesting thing is, there's K two. <laughs> There's Cassian. There's, huh. Oh, I see. That's K2. Oh, <laughs> boy. Wow. Are we turning into the pun podcast already? We're only like a half hour in. Pun, pun collision. Yep. If we're only a half hour in. We shouldn't be having this many puns this early. Oh, man. Not enough puns. We should have like a night where all we do is make puns the whole night. Just, see, just, see, just see how many of them we can do. Until somebody finally yells out, boo! I don't know. Um, going, going back to, to my thought before I lose it, um, the cool thing about Disney Plus is there's going to be a lot of stuff out there. Like We kind of glossed over the fact that there's going to be a Loki-oriented series with Tom Hiddleston. There's there's going to be a, a series for the, the Winter Soldier and Falcon and their adventures. We're going to be getting the Clone Wars Season 7 on there. We're going to be getting the Mandalorian. We're going to be getting this Cassian story. Goodness knows what else we're going to get from programming on Disney+. Plus. On top of pretty much every 
Disney, every Pixar creation known to man. Uh, there's probably going to be some other direct-to-streaming services available like this. This announcement is just furthering the notion that if you don't end up with Disney+, Plus, you're going to miss out on some pretty quality content. Oh, yeah, definitely. Can I just say, though, Disney Plus is a dumb name, and the logo is dumb, too. Like, they have <laughs> teams and teams and teams of people working on these sorts of things, and that's what they come up with. It's dumb. Disney Play is way better. It's dumb. It looks dumb. It sounds dumb. When you type it out, it looks like a typo. It, Come on. Come on, Bob. Come I mean, on. ESPN also has something now called ESPN+. Plus. Yeah, so, but there's le- think, there's I less think... there's less letters in ESPN and ESPN is already like a shortened thing, isn't it? It's like Essential Sports Network or something. Like it's it's like it's four letters compared to six, dude. But it's it's but it's not it's not a word. You say ESPN plus, right? Like you don't say ESPN plus. It's it's it, it, it for whatever reason it rolls better. Whereas... Disney has fewer syllables. Right, but it's a word. I, Whereas ESPN I'm, is I'm just not, a series of letters, and then I'm plus. Not, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not following the logic of the argument. I hear what you're saying. I'm just. I'm just saying. They're both owned. They're they're both owned by Disney, and well, that's they fine. both have they both have the name Plus. I think Disney is just obsessed with the term Plus for their streaming services right now. Well, then they should change that because <laughs> it works fine for for entertainment and sports networking Plus. Um, like ESPN, because you're like, it's already a bunch of like, not words, and then a plus symbol. <laughs> but Whereas, Disney is a word. But Disney so is a not word. words versus words. That's, that's the argument. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's an, um, acronym. Yeah. It's an acronym. ESPN is an acronym. And then you're throwing on the plus thing at the end. I think if they spelled out plus, it would bother me less, but because it's the plus sign. It just it looks wrong, and every time I type it, I feel like it looks like a typo. And and then I saw the logo, and I thought, well, maybe they have some like special logo where like Mickey is like conjuring a plus. And no, it's just another stupid plus sign and like a, a swirl. I was like, no, nah, I don't like it. I don't so, like it. So so what if they used another symbol? What if we used asterisk or question mark? <laughs> I, I would go with question mark. Disney equals. I would go with I would go with the question mark. Just Disney. Disney? Disney? It's like that. It's like that. Cards Against Humanity. Bees? <laughs> I thought I was going. I was thinking. <laughs> I say I, Disney I, wink emoji. I'm Ron Burgundy. <laughs> <laughs> also that. I'm sorry. My, I got my mind on Cards Against Humanity because I haven't played that game in so stinking long. I I just need to play like a game of that with somebody, or I need to play Evil Apples with somebody virtually online. Like I need to get like that. I need to get that energy out because there's just, there's just a certain vibe that you get when you play Cards Against Humanity that you don't really get anywhere else, and uh, it's been it's been a minute since I've played that game. So you you automatically win if you play the Helen Keller card. Apparently, <laughs> I don't even know what the Helen Keller card is. It's it's just Helen Keller. Like one of your options is Helen Keller, and no matter what you're describing, if you play Helen Keller, you automatically win that round. That's a weird it's, rule. It's it's some weird unwritten rule that because Helen Keller's got so many other things going against her, she gets to win the Cards Against Humanity round. Huh. 
I just I just I just heard uh, enough Helen Keller jokes to to feel like I'm going to hell. So you know, and you know, so I, that feels like a weird place to go. <laughs> did, You're going to the bad you, place. Did you did you know that Helen Keller was six foot five and traveled the world? Oh, give me a break. Neither did she. All right, guys. Harry Potter. <laughs> Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part Two. We got another movie to discuss, guys. Do we really? I just yeah. want to make Helen Keller jokes all night. No, we don't, don't we? Because we want to keep our listeners. Actually, what are you talking a... about? You're gonna get more listeners with Helen Keller jokes. Come on. Yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. Actually, so let's actually... not take any chances. Ah, uh, come on. I have one more. Dang it. Oh boy. Save it. Save it for after the show. Oh, I'll be so wasted by then. God, that's when we need to hurry up and get this done. <laughs> um so it doesn't happen on the show. Um so Harry Potter and the Deathly Hollows Part Two. I like this movie. What'd you guys think? Zach, take this, it away. This is Hallowsween. This is Hallowsween. Oh no, that's oh, last, last week. week. Stop episode. it. Oh, but I said Hallows. Like the Deathly Hallows, see? Okay, I get you. I this get is it. this is Hallowsween. Um, I like this movie a lot too. Uh, it, it definitely had a much better sense of the end game than I felt like the previous movie did. Um, at times, I felt like Deathly Hallows Part One kind of wandered from place to place, and I didn't necessarily mind some of the different places that we went to because visually they were very captivating. But at the same time, I didn't always have a sense of, oh, this is big. Oh, this is super important. Maybe the retrieving of the Sword of Gryffindor. That was like the biggest moment to me. I was like, ooh, this is big. This whole movie feels big in so many different ways. And I really appreciate that. I really admire the the steps that the creators took to let you know this is a big moment. This is a big situation. This is critical to the development of Harry Potter as a character, this world, this lore, these uh, supporting cast members and some surprise characters that showed up, um, namely Dumbledore's brother. You know, I, w- I was very happily surprised yeah. to see him. There, there was just a lot about this second half that helped make the first half make a little bit more sense, yes, but also just gave a very proper and fitting conclusion to a series that we've been following all year and that fans have been following since the early 2000s. I thought they, they, they wrapped it up very well. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, I... Uh... I like this movie pretty well, pretty well. I, I'm not sure where it ranks for me overall. Um, I did like it had a lot to do going into it. And, I mean, even like the first, I mean, the first part of this movie, the you know part one is, um, you know, it 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 did a lot, but it also like it it saves a lot for the back half. And you know, most of the big things that happen in this two part thing you know, happened in the second half and, you know, and it had a lot to do with, you know, you know, you're dealing with a lot of flashbacks, a lot of stuff and learning about and giving you new perspectives 
on what's been happening all this time. I think it did a really good job in certain places. Other places, I'm not so sure. You know, I think it had. It seemed like it. There's certain characters or whatever that just kind of faded into the background. You, you know, they kind of just showed up or disappeared. Like, you know, for example, like Hagrid is just. You know, he just shows up and he's just there. Like, and I know he's not a huge part of the plot, but it is like one of those examples where I was like, oh, I forgot he was around. Like, that's cool. Like, I'm glad to see him again. But also, like, what's he been doing? Like, what's going on? And you feel like you're kind of at points. I felt like I was missing something to me. Um, and I don't know. Like, I, I'm a noob when it comes to this. I'm completely new going into this. And, you know, overall, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the entire story. It's really satisfying to sit down and watch this movie and then, you know, get the full story and get that ending. And it's a really satisfying ending. But, you know, ultimately, it does, you know, it has a lot to do. And some of it does kind of, you know, it kind of passes you by. And it's kind of hard to take it all in, at least on the first try. So I guess I need to, at this point, go back and watch them all again, which probably will happen eventually. But... Deathly Hallows Part 2, I think. Solid movie overall. Um, and yeah, I guess we'll get into more things. But uh, Dominic, what what, is, what are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, I always, with the, the, the final installment uh, in any story, whether it's a, a book series, a movie series, a TV show, it is always very bittersweet. And it's always such a weird experience because there's this like anticipation that's been building to it across all the years or months or however long that you've been, been watching or reading uh, to get to that point. And, you know, you, you're so excited to, to watch it or read it. And, uh, but, you know, I always, I, I frequently find myself sort of as, as you're approaching the end, um, even as I'm completely wrapped up in the story, um, you know, as you realize the pages are, are flipping by or the, the minutes are ticking down until the end, f- finding myself getting a little bit sad that it's ending and, and wishing that it could continue. Mm-hmm. And in, there's always a bittersweet feeling to it. And uh, I definitely felt that with uh, Death, Deathly Hallows as it as it as the pages wound down in uh, 2007. Uh, but in terms of as a as a finale, it felt fitting. It, it tied together all the themes that we've seen throughout the the course of the series, and it, it brought together all the characters. Um, even though, yeah, we don't get to see as much of all of them as as we wanted to, but it it, it tied it all together in, in a really satisfying way. Um, that I think, um, I, I, where I think, I think J.K. Rowling just sort of nailed the ending. She, she stuck the finish. She landed it. It was as, uh, as excellent. I, I, you know, the film, uh, you know, the film, uh, I think, uh, does, does, uh, almost as well as the book in that regard of just sort of like saying, here it is, this is it. This is the end. We're done. This is, this is, and, and we're going to go out with the, the, ba- the biggest possible bang. And uh, it's pretty good. It was it was is really good. I I I really enjoy this one as well. I mean, I love all of them, so <laughs> it's not saying much. But I I do think it was. Uh, I think Deathly Hallows was a, a a solid and fitting conclusion to the Harry Potter series. Hmm. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, getting back to you, Zach. Like, what what do you think as an ending to this? Do you did you feel you know we've been on this journey for several weeks and months now like all year we've been following this both of us you know having not seen these movies before this is completely fresh to us like what do you feel now after 
seeing all this? Do you feel, you know, satisfied? Do you feel like you got, you know, a full story? Do you have questions still? Are you, you know, are you are you kind of satisfied with the whole experience? Um, as a whole, there there were still a few things that I might nitpick and pull apart, but those are those are things that I've probably nitpicked and pulled apart on previous podcast episodes. So as a whole, the story uh, does does quite a few jumps uh, at times, and I wish there was some more filler kind of in between, which I'm sure gets covered a whole lot better in the books. That's that's the hard thing about being able to critique something like this is you're looking at it from just a movie perspective. And so from one movie to the next, you know, Daniel Radcliffe, he hits puberty and all of a sudden you've got to move the story forward because he's moving forward in his chronological age. It, it's whatever. Um, but this particular story um, definitely needed two parts, in my opinion. I'll lead with that. You definitely could not fit everything that they were trying to fit into a three hour long movie to, to break it up into two parts gave. Uh, the storytellers and Gay Rowling about four and a half hours to work with, which at times still maybe didn't even feel like enough. So, you know, I I enjoyed the fact that they took their time with it in order to continue the story in a way that they felt was respectful to the conclusion. And, you know, as somebody that's, that's just now seeing it for the very first time, I'm better understanding a lot of the references that people have been making over the years. I'm better appreciating certain characters and uh, the sacrifices that they make, either physically, emotionally, uh, spiritually, whatever. You know, there's there's a lot of, of hardship that goes through this series. And you're experiencing a lot of it in this movie alone. And so there's there's definitely a lot to... To pull apart, there's definitely a lot of characters to look at. You know, you you made mention of Hagrid. There's there's a lot of characters that probably could have done with more screen time, considering how much screen time they had in previous in, uh, iterations. But overall, uh, one one thing that was on my mind as it was wrapping up, you know, as you're as you're watching the the last scene of the movie, the, the these two words kept popping up in my head. Now what? Ah, and and well, and the cool the cool part is there actually is a follow up to that question now with uh, with Fantastic Beasts. Well, so, well, yeah, and if you're thinking about that scene, that last scene, uh, that you can look at that scene as two ways. You can look at it as the final scene of Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, or you can look at it as the first scene of Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. And see that like that right there. Like, that was me in that last scene. Like, because, like, you're enjoying it and, like, but it's, it's, it bring that scene brings it all back around to the very beginning. And I'm thinking, like, like, I'm seeing all these kids going, like, I just, let's just follow them on the train. I want to go back to Hogwarts. Like, I want to see what these kids are going to be up to because, you know, there's going to be all kinds of shenanigans. There's going to be a whole other story there. And, like, you're you're invested in this and like you're just ready to go around again and i guess that's what cursed child is to an extent mm-hmm. but like like i you're you know death of hallows i mean it, it wraps up pretty quickly and you're you're left with that scene and it's like 
No, 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 no. You can't end here. Keep going. Keep going. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It does it does feel that way a little bit. And yeah, that's what Chris Child's for. So if you're in the West End in London or if you're on Broadway, New York, I think it's also in in Australia. If you're in those three locations, you can go and go and see, you can go find out. Or you can go to a bookstore and buy the play, buy the screen or buy the, <laughs> the script. Um, but it's better to actually see it. See it in its proper format. But yeah, that that is sort of the the. I remember when I saw Curse Child. Um, I was gonna say for the first time, for the only time, um, so far. Uh, that that was one of those things I wondered was like how much that scene would play into it, and it is very much the first scene of uh, of the next chapter in in the in, in the sort of the the Potter saga of sorts. But but and then of course, like you guys said, Fantastic Beasts is uh, is going on with uh, Crimes of Grindelwald and and everything coming up really really soon. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's always, it's always bittersweet. Those, these finales and, and in 2007, when it felt like it really was the end and, you know, there wasn't, there wasn't anything for another nine years until Fantastic Beasts came around, um, uh, in 2016, uh, and, and Cursed Child, actually, they came around at the same time. Uh, but there was that real sort of feeling of, oh, it's over. And and I, I remember as I was getting through the book going like, oh, man, how's it going to end? How's it going to end? Sort of all of a sudden realizing maybe I don't want it to end. I want to keep going. <laughs> I'm having so much fun. And uh, at least it is. At least it is keeping keep going in, in some way. Yeah, well, I mean, there's there's also fan fiction. But that I don't too. know if you I don't know. I don't know how much of that you actually want to subject yourself to. Because sometimes it gets kind of out there. There's, I, I, yeah, I, I never, I've never really gotten into to fan fiction as as a sort of a written thing. Uh, but I, there's some really good, some pretty good Harry Potter fan films that are out there. Harry. Now that would be interesting to see. I haven't seen any of those. There's, I've seen some Star Trek fan films. I've obviously seen Star Wars fan films. Maybe a Doctor Who one or two. There's, there's, but there's one that there's one that's pretty famous. Um, or famous for a fan film uh, that ties in quite directly with Deathly Hallows uh, or with the backstory to some stuff in Deathly Hallows and stuff that's also backstory to Fantastic Beasts um, that deals with Dumbledore and Grindelwald and uh, a, a pretty mm-hmm. momentous occasion in uh, in their lives. Uh, but it, it it's quite good if you if you I can't remember what it's called, but. Just search Dumbledore Grindelwald fan film. It's probably the first thing that comes up, but it's really it's really well done. And, and uh, yeah, there's some good Harry Potter fan films. If Star Wars fan films are any indication, like there's good fan films of anything, especially Harry Potter, because I feel like just my little knowledge of it and my little exposure to it, like Harry Potter, that fandom is really vibrant, and of course there would be. Lots of fan films, lots of different productions, and especially when you're dealing with a franchise that is so, like, limited. Like, mm. you know, if you're a Star Wars fan, you're, you're spoiled. Like, you've been spoiled for many years. Like, even so, like, most franchises are one and done, and Harry Potter is mostly one and done as, you know, as besides, you know, you have, you know, Cursed Child and Fantastic Beasts. Like, it's the books and the movies and... You know, where are you going to go from there? There's no more books to adapt. It's just that's just that's it. Um, so that encourages more fans to step up and go, well, we want the story to continue. Well, J.K. Rowling's not, you know, she's not writing a sequel to this. She's not writing any more sequels other than The Cursed Child. So 
let's do our own sequels, let's do our own prequels, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. There's definitely a lot of creativity involved when you're that invested in a franchise. Um, and I think that's the cool thing about the the community of of the Harry Potter fandom is they're always very respectful of one another in uh, Tumblr posts and Facebook conversations. And uh, really the only house that gets made fun of is Hufflepuff, but even then Hufflepuffs are pretty cool. So better than Slytherin. I mean, come on. Oh man. See, that's, that's the funny thing, man, is now that we're through with this franchise or, or now that we've seen it all the way through, you can make references like that. <laughs> you know, a year ago, I, I I don't think I would have been able to make a, a Hufflepuff versus Slytherin reference like that. Mm. But now that we've made it all the way through, now that we've gotten the full experience, it's it's a bit more relatable. It's a bit more tangible, and it makes you feel like you're a part of 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 the journey. Well, that it's, a, it's you that know, you're part of the fun. You know what you got to do now, Zach. You got to go back don't. to the Universal Studios, <laughs> Harry Potter, uh, Harry Potter world. Only if you go with me, man. I will. Only, I will indeed. If you go with me. It uh, won't take much to get me get me over there. Get me over there again. Uh, speaking speaking of getting over there, mm. um, I, I've been waiting for an opportune moment to to make this point because you were you were talking about uh, cursed child being in certain locations, mm. and you're like, if you're ever in England or if you're ever in New York. Or if you're ever in Australia, you should go check it out. Mm-hmm. I, I feel it worth warranting uh, a, a brief mention of just how massive Australia actually is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because the show, for all we know, could be playing in Sydney. And we could have a listener in Perth, for example. And to get from Perth to Sydney is a 41-hour, 3,935-kilometer drive. <laughs> nothing. <laughs> That's nothing. No, yeah. Yeah, I think it's in Sydney. So if you're in Perth, <laughs> if you're in Perth, uh, you're out of luck. Yeah, I, I love it <laughs> you when might as well we go to New like, York. Talk about, we'll talk about, like, oh, it's in Australia. Like, Australia is just, like, one city. <laughs> And then right. you'll like you'll like meet someone from Australia, like oh, I have a friend in Australia. Like they're supposed to know that person, like right. because like Australia is just such a small place. But like, no, it's a massive freaking country. Or you can have the people that like, oh, Australia doesn't exist because I'm a flat earther. And <laughs> see, I the myth. I subscribe to the donut theory that the reason the sky is blue is because the earth is donut shaped and we're actually looking up at the ocean. Uh, see, I thought you were going to say you submit to the, the donut theory that, and the reason the sky is blue is because the frosting is blue. Oh, actually, I'd be okay with that, too. I'd have a, I'd have a reason to reach for the stars again. <laughs> there you go. There you go. You're get, up to the, get up in the sky and lick the icing clean. Yeah, I definitely subscribe to that donut theory. Does that make me make me a donuter or something? A donut, a donut earther, donut earther. Yeah, there you go. I donut subscribe to any other theory. Boom. <laughs> Although I will admit the theory is full of holes. Ah, oh, jeez. <laughs> 
Uh, I'm having too much fun tonight, y'all. Let's get back to the Harry Potter universe, because otherwise we're just going to go off on another crazy train. But we've got DJ Crazy Train with us, yeah. so I guess it all works out, right? Yeah. I, I don't even need to... I. I don't need to, to do anything tonight. It's all you. You're, you're t- I need. I feel like I need to queue up the song for you. Right. Right. Yeah, you better I, get it ready just in case. Yeah. I'm. I'm. I'm all over the place tonight, apparently. But uh, I'm having fun. So good. It works out. That's yeah. You sit. You sit there saying good because you're like, well, I'm sure not. <laughs> <laughs> hey guys, at Zach's least, having fun. At least one of us is. Right. Okay. Um. Maybe we can get this crazy train back on the rails. Ben, talk about Harry Potter. I like Harry Potter. That's it. That's all I wanted to say. Um, no, no. Okay, so I don't know how we want to do this exactly, you know, because there's there's a lot to talk about in this movie. It, it, really quick, um, getting back to what you were saying earlier, Zach, and about like splitting this movie into two parts. I think that was a really smart move on their part to do this as two parts because, oh yeah, like it would have had to been a really long movie or probably a really overstuffed, overstuffed short movie. And yeah. uh, it just wouldn't have worked like you. You really I think it pre- it's pretty well paced throughout both of these films. And you get to that last part and it's, you know, it's this constant tension and build up to what you know is coming, which is, you know, that final showdown. And it's really I mean, it's really well done. All the thing. I, I love just the whole thing of, you know, them sneaking in the hogs, uh, not hogs, me, but uh yeah, Hogsmeade. Gringotts. Oh, Gringotts. And oh, yeah, I love yeah. every. I love everywhere they go. Like they, they know sneak. this. Is the, they, they know this is the last movie, so everywhere they go, they just destroy everything. Like <laughs> Gringotts is just destroyed. Hogwarts is just shattered. Like everywhere, it's like, hey, we're going out with a with a bang. Mm-hmm. Literally though. Yeah. Literally though, I I don't know if I can sing enough praises. Of the Ukrainian iron belly that is guarding Bellatrix Lestrange's vault. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my gosh. Just when I thought we were done having the dragon discussion for the time being, Mm. Harry Potter has to go and throw its name into the mix. We were doing a, a, a discussion of the Hobbit trilogy not too long ago and how great Smaug looked compared to... The dragons at the time um, of of Game of Thrones, I think it was like season three of Game of Thrones at the time when Smaug came up on the scene. Mm. And now we've got this Ukrainian iron belly that is kicking butt and taking names in the Harry Potter universe. And I was very impressed with the coloration. I was very impressed with the CGI. I was very impressed with um, with with the the idea that. If you ring a particular bell, it has like this negative connotation associated with it, like it expects torture. Even something as big as a dragon can be an abused animal. Yeah. And the the way that they explored that was fascinating. And then being able to use it as your escape from 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 everything that that's got you pinned down, it was a bold move and it paid off. And so 
it just kind of let me know at the beginning of this movie that there's going to be some gambles. There's going to be some risks taken, but it's for the, the purpose of, of proving big and proving uh, a great end game. Mm-hmm. And it, uh, it definitely set the tone for me. I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah. And can I just say about the dragon, uh, if you ever go to Universal Studios in Orlando where they have Diagon Alley, they have the dragon on top of Gringotts. I and, thought so. And every every half hour, 40 minutes or so, it breathes actual fire. And it's like oh. everybody stops and looks and you can like feel the heat of the fire on your face, even if you're like standing at the complete opposite end of the street it's 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 awesome wow yeah got some got some pyro going on out there it's, it's pretty awesome but yeah I, and and you, you make a great point zach about how you know even something as scary as a dragon can be an abused animal it's pretty it's it's a pretty um it, it's, it's quite the scene there where um you know griff hook is shaking the the like cowbell at him and uh, explaining what's going on. It's pretty, it's pretty interesting. Um, also it needs more cowbell. Am I right? Yeah. Well, Christopher Walken just walked in on was in on set that day. He's like, you know, um, anyways, uh, but the, 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 uh, the other thing I want to highlight in those scenes, um, uh, Helen, uh, Bonham Carter playing Hermione playing Bellatrix. Uh, yes. Like we've seen this. We saw this in the, in the previous ones and we saw this in, in, um, you know, we've seen this in previous movies where actors, other actors have to play other characters playing their characters. Um, but nobody quite nailed it the way she did. Like, just the way she sort of slouches when she first appears as Hermione uh, on the beach there. And, and you know, combine that with Emma Watson's voice coming out of her. You would yeah. you would think that they just sort of did Emma Watson up in the makeup. And and you would think that that was the same person, and then the way she sort of comports herself going through uh, Gringotts, uh, it's like just what a performance in those scenes. It's so so different from what she does the rest of the of the movies. Uh, it's yeah, I, I thought of it. I thought that was so so such a one of the best performances in the series. Yeah, because Bellatrix Lestrange is such a character. Yeah, like. She puts on such a show, she's like everything my, she's about her. Probably one of my favorite supporting characters of the whole series, to be completely honest. She's fantastic, and to do that, but then turn it completely off, and then you know put in the the persona of another character who is not at all like that, but, and then but is trying Hermione, is trying to yeah. be that, yeah, yeah, like trying to be this just flamboyant, just just evil person um and she's not doing an all a good job of it and people are noticing mm-hmm. yeah absolutely it's really really well done oh gringot yeah, scene is oh gringot yeah. scene is a lot of fun and they did a great job turning it into a ride as well <laughs> so so going going into the plot just a just a little bit mm. dominic and this, this is something that i wanted to ask you like the moment i saw it okay and then it's like something that i've wanted to to, to follow up with just out of curiosity, if, if this is something that's talked about more in depth in the book, because I don't feel like it was explained quite as well as I had hoped it would be. Okay. Um, at, at one point, Griphook mentions that the, uh, the sword of Godric Gryffindor was in Lestrange's vault and then was taken out. Mm. 
and it was taken out and, and replaced with a fake by Snape. Yeah. The timing of that is nondescript. Mm-hmm. And then my follow-up question is when Griphook made the uh, made the deal saying he wanted the sword, he was getting them into the vault yeah. that had the fake sword. Mm-hmm. With the uh, particular multiplication spell that was over Lestrange's vault, mm-hmm. is it possible, or is it something that's talked about in the book at all, that when... Griphook calls for the sword in order to help get them out or to, to trade for the for the cup, for the mm-hmm. Horcrux. Mm-hmm. Is it possible that the sword that Harry ended up giving to him, he pulled like an old switcheroo and gave him the fake one instead of the real one? Um I don't I don't think so. I think it, I think he definitely gave him the real one. Um because what we see you see later after Vol in the sort of the after they make their escape and Harry has that vision of what Voldemort is doing, and he, he's killing everybody in Gringotts. He's raging at the fact that somebody got a Horcrux that his secret has been discovered, uh, and Harry sees that, and then you see that he murdered uh, Griffok in that in that moment. Yeah, uh, right. And, and then, then the sword disappears. And then the sword dis- disappears. And that's one of the things about the the sword is it, it presents itself to a worthy Gryffindor at, at a moment of need. And, and that's what it did in Chamber of Secrets, and that's what it does later on. It, uh, you know, it appears to Neville in the Sorting Hat, which is what it did to Her- for Harry back in Chamber of Secrets. So I, 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 unless, I mean, maybe if Harry could have found the, uh, the second sword, maybe he could have tried to, to trick Griffwick. But as Griffwick says... Uh, the, the difference is only a true goblin. Only would a goblin, a goblin would recognize the differences. So it, it would be really tough That's to true. fool to fool him. Um, yeah. So so yeah. Snape took the took the the real sword, replaced it with the fake. He he made sure it got to Harry, uh, and Harry found it out in the uh, out in the woods uh, in part one, and then Harry gave the real one to Griphook. Griphook betrayed them gets murdered and then the sword disappears and reappears for Neville later on. Uh, and it's oh, all, okay. it's all the real sword. That's so, uh, okay. I know it's magic. It's, it's, it's wizardry, but that's just so out there for me. Like it's just, it shows up where it's needed. Oh man. It, it's almost like a, like a, like almost like a Mary Poppins spell on it or something like <laughs> you you only show up when you need it you only you only show up when it's wanted uh, but there's, there's most there's always, most required there's, there's there's been an element of of that throughout the series i mean the, the only reason harry potter can get the philosopher's stone in the philosopher's stone is because he was the only one who wanted it but not to use it right like there's an element of wanting things for the right reason, being true of heart and being rewarded for that, that runs throughout the series. And and the sword is probably the most sort of recurring element of that. But you, you see that uh, time and again with the, the stone and the room of requirement, which I know you don't like uh, to either, but it's, uh, 
it, it's a it's definitely something that that recurs in the series. Room of convenience. I'm going to get to that in a little bit. It makes a comeback just to piss you off. It pretty much, pretty damn much. But we're not there yet. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know they they do. They do make it to Hogsmeade, as you were talking about earlier. They 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 ride off into the sunset on the on the dragon, getting away from Gringotts. They make it to Hogsmeade and they meet Aberforth, and uh, he helps them sneak into Hogwarts, just in time for Snape to make an announcement that Harry's been spotted in Hogsmeade, and anybody who you know, has any information or is withholding information, you should speak up now or otherwise you'll be branded a traitor or something like that. And I'm just like, okay, if Dumbledore had made some sort of threat like this, people would have reported him to the Ministry of Magic. Ah, but the Ministry is under Voldemort's control now. Remember from the previous movie. Right. So it, it's right. it, Hogwarts and, and everything. Everything now is just an extension of Voldemort. Well, if that were if that if that's the case, then why isn't Pink Lady running the show over there? Because she's running the show over at the Ministry. Wait, Is we, she we, though? Well, she's well, she's the we saw in in the previous one. She's kind of got a, a role in like the the judiciary. I thought her role was over muggle extermination. Oh yeah, I mean that that's certainly part of it. It, it of sort of tormenting. Uh, uh, wizards, uh, and when I say the judiciary, I mean that's sort of basically what it is at that point. It's it's hunting down those or, or and and punishing yeah, and exterminating not, not those truly who are about justice. Yeah, anymore. It's, about, it's about it's about finding about, the mudbloods. Yeah, about the mudbloods and the halfbloods and the you know all, all that stuff. Anybody who's not pure. Um, and and you know she said at the end of uh, um, Order of the Phoenix, you know I don't really don't like children. So maybe in this new regime, she just sort of went, hey, hey, Voldy. Voldemort, uh, you know, just uh, can I get a job that doesn't involve dealing with children? And Voldemort's like, yeah, sure. It makes more sense to have Snape there anywhere. Anyway, he's already a known quantity there. We'll just leave him there. Leave him. He's he's used to it. Yeah, Snape's story is also one that proves rather interesting in this mm-hmm. this iterate. Um, you were you were talking about his uh, his Patronus helping. Harry find the sword of Gryffindor in the previous movie, Harry kind of alludes to this idea that it's interesting that Snape's Patronus just happens to be the same animal that his mother's Patronus was. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Is it just perpetually alluded, or is there, like, further confirmation in the books as to Harry's true parentage? Whoa, no. No, 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 no. You know, it's Harry's parents are Lily and James Potter. But what's what's going on there is that Snape has been in love with Lily his entire life. And no, I, I get yeah, that. And he, I, and he, that, it, that was that was obvious. That, yeah, that's been obvious for a couple of movies now. Yeah. Yeah. And, and um, you know, it's it's spelled every his whole life is spelled out in that sort of the flashback that we get in the pensive. Uh, and, and basically the, the sort of the, the connection there is I think in that moment with Harry and Dumbledore, it's just sort of Harry going like, oh, yeah, Snape really, you know, I thought Snape was the bad guy this whole time. But here he was. He actually saved. He actually did care about me and my mother. And he he saved me in the end in, in a way or he helped save me in the end. 
time and again. Really. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's crazy because he opens himself up to. I mean, he's the ultimate kind of double agent. You know, he's appearing to, you know, be this guy who's pretending to be on the good side, but ultimately is a bad guy, seemingly, and you know, seemingly betrays Dumbledore, and and then you know you have the great scene where. Harry calls him out on it and is very angry at him, and you know, obviously so. You know about you. You tell them what you did. Basically. I love that scene. How dare you stand where he stood? I love yeah. that scene so much. And then when McGonagall comes to his defense, and she has a little duel with Snape. Oh, oh, so good. See, I that that's probably my favorite scene, just for the fact of you're expecting. You're not expecting Harry to show up there, first of all. Yeah, you thought it would be like some snitch that's like ready to tell on him, and then you find out that it's actually Harry, and you're like, oh! And then on top of that, you have Harry not like you expect like, oh, Harry and Snape are going to go at it, and then Harry's going to have to run away or something like that. It's, oh, no, 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 no. McGonagall's like had it with Snape. She's going to go after him. Then Then the order shows up. And Snape's the one that has to run. Like, that's just, it was just like this satisfying moment of like, heck yeah for the heroes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so good. Uh, that, that moment just when he, um, when he just, when he, yeah, when he swoops in like that, uh, I, I love it so much. And, and, and when, when McGonagall comes, comes to his aid and, ugh. So good. Well, I mean, everybody, everybody kind of comes to his aid. Like the whole freaking oh, yeah. Order the of the whole... Phoenix shows yeah. up because of this lax security that he seems to have. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 I love the way Harry calls him out on it. He's like, "It seems, despite your extensive security or your exhaustive security, you're still a few holes, Headmaster." And he calls him out. He challenges him on the on the Dumbledore thing, and then McGonagall steps up, and it's just wow, wow. It's such a great moment. It, yeah. It's it's fantastic. Like, honestly, as far as like a supporting character making a, a, a surprising comeback at the at the end of the series, I would say McGonagall wins in yeah. this movie because she kind of assumes the headmistress role once Snape kind of ducks out and she cooperates and, and works yeah, with well, Harry Mc, Mc, in Mc, preparation for the defense of Hogwarts, like yeah. she's been, she's ready, man. Yeah, well, she's been such a such a sort of a a bit of a, an, an enigma throughout the series, right? Because she's she's the, the the ultimate sort of strict professor, but you can tell she really cares and really really wants to help her students. She's not Umbridge who just wants to punish them and torture them. You know, if McGonagall gives you a punishment, it's because you deserved it. Um, right. And and so, you know, you're never, you know, you can you sort of, you like the character because she, she, you know, she's obviously a, a, a good person at heart, but you never, never really have cause to, to root for her because quite often she's, she's a bit of a foil for the characters. I mean, she's the one that gives her, gives them all detention in the first movie. Uh, and then all of a sudden here, you, 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 it, all of that sort of kindness and, and um, you know, challenging these students to be the best that they can be, all of that comes to a head here where she, she finally sort of steps up and, and, stand, and you know, stands next to Harry essentially as equals. And, and it's a, a really wonderful moment. And, yeah, she really for standout sort of secondary character, it really is McGonagall. McGonagall and Neville. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. We've we've got to talk about that. Mm. 
we've we've got to talk about that. Um, as much as I enjoy puns and and witty jokes, Neville's really got to work on his. <laughs> Because that whole you and what army joke almost came within about two inches of coming back to biting him in the ass. <laughs> like, literally. Yeah, yeah. You and what army? And then, like, two minutes later, oh, that army. Yeah. He's, so, he's so overconfident. Like, you're not getting through that. You're not getting over here. And then they realize that the guy steps forward. He's like, uh-oh, your, your, your shield's gone. And he's like, oh, crap. And Neville... Um, runs for his life. So, so you guys, you guys are probably gonna get a kick out of this. You know what thought first came to mind when that guy takes that first step and realizes that he can get through? What? My my first thought was this: the shield is down. Commence attack on the Death Star's main <laughs> reactor. <laughs> or, 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 going, I think even more so. Um, Phantom Menace. Retreat! Retreat! Jar Jar. <laughs> Jeez. This is I didn't, nuts. This is nuts. <laughs> Come on, now you got a big, you got a big clear shield. That's a Phantom Menace ripoff if I've ever seen one. I honestly never thought of that. <laughs> oh. Oh. Uh, you know you're not wrong. No, it's not. It's not wrong. And they and they were and they were throwing glowing things at it. And okay, that was actually pretty cool. Mm. You know oh. what? You know what? You know what that honestly reminded me of? It, it. Okay, I'm gonna sound kind of country hickish right now, but it reminded me of the the last time I had a, a Roman candle fight with some friends of mine. Mm. Uh-huh, <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, I see that. I see it. 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 <laughs> honestly, I had one come like right at my face one time and I had to do like a matrix type of over the back duck kind of thing in order to get away from it and I like felt it zip over my face and like the heat of it the sparks like went within a couple of inches of my nose it was intense but so much fun oh my gosh it was so much fun and seeing seeing those kinds of of spectacle that kind of spectacle and those lights hitting the shield the way that it did and the, with the frequency that it was coming in, it just reminded me of Roman candles for some reason. And it was, I know that it was like a big moment and it was almost like an artillery type of assault kind of thing, if you will, but it was still pretty. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's visually very exciting. Yeah. I, I remember this was several years ago now, but there was some like some local news footage. They caught some footage of like two gangs <laughs> shooting <laughs> fireworks at each other, and everybody's like, "It looks like a Harry Potter fight." <laughs> There's a mm. yeah. Anyway, that's that's one of that's one of the cool things that I that I do enjoy about this uh, this conclusion is that it it does conclude on the hogwarts grounds yeah you know you you spend so much time in the previous movie away from hogwarts that it's almost fitting that the second movie devotes so much time and attention to it yeah including elements like the room of requirement including elements like the ghosts that walk the grounds including elements 
you know, are, are kind of all encompassing, if you will. They even go down to the Chamber of Secrets to retrieve a basilisk fang. Yeah. You know, it's like every part of the grounds ends up getting used for the end game. And I found that very respectful and I found that very cool that they're they're reminding you of all the different adventures that they've been on over the course of their childhood and it's helping shape their adult life and the fate of Hogwarts as we know it. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, you're 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 going to you know, you're you've been away from this school for, you know, a full movie. And then it's so satisfying to, you know, when they come to the tunnel and all of them there, Seamus and all those guys, they're all there. And, you know, it's it's satisfying to, you know, get back with those guys. But also you're going to all these different parts of the school that some of them, like the Chamber of Secrets, you haven't seen in a long time. Yeah. Um, and utilizing them really well. And it's not just contrived of, uh, you know, oh, hey, we just wandered into this room. Hey, we haven't seen this in a while. It's like this has weight on the story of like hey we gotta go down here and that's the one thing that can destroy horcruxes is a beastlix beastlix whatever it's called basilisk 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 giant snake basilisk you know you know it also reminds me of it reminds me of of basil what's his name I, i forget his last name faulty Basil Balti is that his Basil name? Faulty, the Great Mouse Detective. Oh no, I was thinking of Faulty Towers, J- John Cleese. Oh yeah, okay, so yeah, that's that's another good example. That is another good example. I was I was Balti. thinking of the Great Mouse Detective though. I haven't seen that movie in so long, but it's got a pretty awesome cast. Like as far as underrated Disney movies go. I would say the Great Mouse Detective is right up there with some of the greats because it's got um, who who is the 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 horror the the classic horror films actor that uh, that showed up in a lot of TV shows over time Vincent Price Vincent Price plays yeah. the bad guy of Professor Radigan and. Uh, Barry Ingham is Basil of Baker Street. Okay, I thought he had like an I thought he had like a last name for some reason. Ba- Wait, and his name then, is Basil of Baker Street. Yeah, they they that's, they call him. That's, that's an interesting uh, Sherlock Holmes reference there because one of the well, yeah, one, that, well, Baker Street yeah. Baker Street and one of the, the actors who one of the most famous actors who played Sherlock Holmes on on film is uh, Basil Rathburn. Basil Rathburn actually makes an appearance in this oh, movie. Well, all right, all right, kind along tying with, it all uh, together. There you along go. with Alan Young, he's in this movie, and Val Benton plays David Q. Dawson. It's basically a, a rodent version of Sherlock Holmes. It's a it's a really it's a really cute adventure, and it's got like this these couple of uh, neat musical numbers included in them, including one that's like a tribute to Radigan. And so you got Vincent Price kind of doing like a spoken word musical number. It's really clever. Very well done. Um, I do, I do regret never having had the pleasure of meeting that man in person. He had a fantastic voice and just a great charisma about him, but he passed away the October I was born, so I never would have had the chance to actually appreciate meeting him anyways. No, no, you probably would have cried. 
Uh, well, I mean, 25, 25 years later, I still probably would have. He, he's he's up there with uh, Christopher Lee and and Robin Williams for me, honestly. Like I know I I know I kind of stumbled on his name earlier, but I'm gonna blame that on the happy juice. I I loved him as Radigan. He was the voice of King Herod in one of my favorite Bible stories growing up. He uh, made some appearances on classic TV shows like Lucy and Red Skelton and stuff like that. And wow. uh, I've watched I've watched a lot of classic TV shows in my day, and uh, it, he's he's just one of those actors. I know we're kind of going off on a tangent, but if if he had been able to show up in uh, in the Harry Potter franchise, that that's how I'm going to tie it together. He was as classically trained as they come. And to to have him play a role in the Harry Potter franchise would have been really, really cool. Mm. He would have made an excellent Slytherin. Mm. I'll put it that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaking yeah. of which, Slytherin House really doesn't do a lot in this movie. The Malfoys kind of run away. Well, yeah, there's so... And, and like, all of Slytherin House just gets sent to the dungeon because one member of Slytherin House decided it might be a good idea to turn Harry Potter over to you-know-who. When, honestly, that might be, like, a sense of self-preservation more than a sense of loyalty to you-know-who. Because if I'm given that opportunity and I have a chance to not die, I'd be considering it, too. Yeah, that is one of those things that's a little bit glossed over, and it's kind of glossed over in the in the book too. We're sort of like, eh, send him to the dungeon, <laughs> get rid of him. We don't need him for now. I mean, um, come on, Harry Potter was sent to a dungeon, and Dobby helped him out. Yeah. So, like, why are dungeons so keeping for one of the most devious houses or the most devious house in the in the entire school? Like, yeah. why are they not breaking out? Why are they not choosing sides? That that was kind of, kind of, yeah, you're right. Glossed over is a it's good word for it. I was over, just yeah. like, I was like, wait, what? Yeah. And and the, the Draco, in terms of Draco, I you know, one thing, even when I read the books, I, I kind of hoped for a little bit more resolution between Harry and Draco uh, than what what winds up being there in the in the, the books and the films. Uh Fortunately, Cursed Child delves into that a little bit. And I was very happy when I got out of part one uh, of Cursed well, Child. Well, I mean, I like, we see we see good. Draco at the end of the movie, too. Yeah, yeah and I, he's there. I, I, was, I was pleasantly surprised to see him there. I yeah. was like, well, okay. That's why, that's why I wanted to see a continuation, because, like, like whoever, like, Draco's kids are going to be a-holes to, to Harry Potter's kids. And I want to see that story. Man, you are so far off. <laughs> go, <laughs> go read Cursed Child. Uh, find out what happens. It's much. I guess I have to it's, now. That's uh, uh, yeah, um, yeah. No, I, I'll I'll tell you this about Cursed Child because it's not really a spoiler. But Harry's spoiler! son, Har- Harry's son, and Draco's son wind up as best friends. Really? Yeah. And there's. I'm so happy to hear that, and I have no idea why. I know it like warms your heart. Uh, but there's there's some, the the reasoning behind it, how they wind up becoming friends, their their dynamic, their relationship, um, is definitely I think one of the strengths of Cursed Child. So uh, they they become the new Harry and Ron then essentially. Essentially, yeah, and and you know it, it, as as um as you might suspect, there's a little tension amongst the parents. 
Uh, that sounds so cool. Mm-hmm. Curse That's Child. really interesting. Curse, okay. Curse Child has some 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 weird elements in it, but its its core story is really strong. But that's at least that's my opinion. Uh, On the subject, I'll, I'll, oh, I'll ahead, give man. that I'll give that to J.K. Rowling for for making that. She she has at least one good idea better than mine because um, <laughs> I just would have made his kids a holes too. No, no, it's it's uh, yeah, it's better that they're it's better that that he's that he's nice. Um, I'm blanking on his name. Uh, I'll look it up in a minute, but um, yeah, the the Malfoys, uh, you know, they get they do get a, a teensy bit of of redemption in the end. I mean, in in a sense, you know, Harry's, you know, when Harry first encountered Voldemort, what saved him was his mother's love, and in this movie, what saves him again in the forest, you know, after he comes back, you know, if if Voldemort had asked any other Death Eater to go and check if he was alive. You know, things would have gone very differently, but right. uh, because he asked uh, Narcissa Malfoy, she goes and, and, and checks. And because of her love, not for Harry, but for Draco and her for her desire to protect Draco, she protects Harry because, you know, she's, she's basically turned. Uh, you know, she's and it's uh, Harry again. Um, his whole story was being saved by a mother's love at, at the beginning. And, and here it is. Here it is at the end. He's saved by it again. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Okay, I, I I was a bit, I was a bit like, oh, okay, that they went there because or, or th- th- wasn't much that happened with like Draco's there, and then you know, like he had that big moment in you know uh, second to last movie, like you know with him his mission to kill Dumbledore and all that, all that kind of stuff. But like after that, he really he hasn't had a whole lot to do, which was like. And you're kind of waiting for like, you know, him to have his big moment or, or at least, you know, something to do. Yeah. Yeah. He, he doesn't really, you know, he kind of has one last sort of go at Harry um, and then Harry goes back and, and saves him. And it's uh, one of my favorite sort of like tropey lines in something is when somebody says, if we die for this, I'll kill you. Uh, and so I was I quite like that we got that from Ron, but you know, yeah, there's sort of like, you know, that, that, that rivalry between Harry and Draco kind of, it, it, it runs throughout these movies and, and Draco is so driven by it, it that, but I think, you know, it, the, I think he's, he's a little bit inconsistent in, in this movie because, or in this story, because, you know, he, he doesn't tell Bellatrix that it's, it's actually Harry he probably knows for sure, but he, he protects Harry in that moment, but then he goes after him here, um, only to then be saved by Harry. It's, 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 Draco's a little inconsistent in, in, in this one. I'd say that's maybe a, a, a weak point. Uh, but, uh, I you know, I do like that it, it ends, you know, even though I was hoping for a little bit more resolution between the two of them, I do like that it ends with Harry saving him. That, he, you know, he had the choice to let yeah. him burn, but he went back and, and helped him out. Yeah. yeah, and yeah, that's I, like I think, that's the I think moral by that, story too. I think by that point, uh, it's it's kind of at least turned into a mutual respect. Mm. I, I wouldn't necessarily call it a friendship, but at least at least they understand each other to a certain degree now. To a certain degree, and to you also, I think there is there can be a certain amount of pity that you can throw at um, Draco. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, he's been in a hole since he was a little kid, but now he's 
an a-hole that was manipulated a, by a now bigger now a-hole. He's a, now he's a grown-up a-hole. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, you know, there's a certain amount, and he's like, he didn't go through with killing Dumbledore. Like, he couldn't, you know, and he, you know, whether that's a sign of there's good in him or whatever, like, you know, whatever, but, like, there is a certain amount of, like, you know, there was other forces at play, and, and ultimately Voldemort was manipulating a lot of people to do some really horrible things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Draco's... Well, I mean, that's, that's, his, that's, his, that's his play, though. It's it's never been about anyone else. It's never been about Draco. It's never been about no. Uh, it's never been about Snape. It's never been about anybody that that serves him. It's all been about him. Yeah, he's a he's a complete narcissist. And when he when he faces Snape in whatever it is, the green room is what I kind of like to call it. It, it looks kind <laughs> of like a like a greenhouse or a green room so or something a, like a, that. A boathouse, but. The boathouse, whatever it is, when he faces him there, he literally just tells him point blank, only I get to live forever. Yeah. Like, he knows that if he gets this this eternity that he seeks, it's at the expense of everyone else. And for some reason, everyone else is okay with this. Yeah, well... I mean, I think they're they sort of it's one of those things where it's like they 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 if if he's going to live forever, even if you're not, you might as well, for at least the perspective of, of the Death Eaters is you might as well sign on um, because, you know, you get a better shot at living if you stick with the guy who's going to live forever than if you try to oppose him. Plus, some of them just yeah. sort of agree with him about, yeah, screw the mud bloods and the muggles and all that. Yeah. And then also, I mean, you have to consider that, like, one of the people that seem most loyal to Voldemort, Snape, isn't at all. Loyal. Yeah, like there's always so like always not Dumbledore's yeah. man. Yeah, always so you know you not everyone you know not everything as it seems and definitely not everyone is on board with what you know Voldemort wanted to do. Hmm. Yeah, it's true. It's true. It's true. I mean, you know, like Snape has been part of the. The, 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 he's been that sort of undercover operative for the order for quite some time. So, you know, I think most of the Death Eaters are probably, they, they're either opportunists or they believe in what, uh, what Voldemort is, is pushing. Uh, but then again, there are, there are a few amongst them like, like Snape. And then there are the ones that sort of turn against Voldemort, like the, the Malfoys, quite honestly, um, or at least Narcissa and Draco. Yeah. Um, yeah. Jason Isaacs, maybe not so much, but but those two definitely. Uh, Scorpius is Draco's kid's name, by the way. Scorpius uh-huh. Malfoy. Scorpius. Yeah. Wow, that's a name. Scorpius Malfoy. Name. Scorpius so Malfoy. It, best best is, friends is, with Albus. Is he Albus gonna have, he gonna have another Malfoy. kid named Sagittario? Are we gonna? I mean, maybe that'll be Scorpius's kid's name. <laughs> Virgus. Maybe. I don't know. I, Arrow. I do. I. I I'm do. Just, I'm just trying to think of like, like variants I, of the signs. <laughs> I do really like Albus Severus Potter. That's a great name. It's a pretty good name. It's a long name. It's a man. long name. Although it's still still the best name in all of Harry Potter is Al- Albus Percival Wolfric Brian Dumbledore. <laughs> I just love that. <laughs> love that Brian is in there. <laughs> One of his middle names is Brian. 
parents definitely had fun with that one. Probably had a little too much happy juice also. Uh, Albus Percival Wolf Rick Brian Dumbledore. That's a a heck of a name. Also, uh, I feel it worth mentioning that per your recommendation, Mm -hmm. I went to Amazon and found myself a copy of the Tales of Beetle the Bard. Oh, nice. Very nice. So uh, I've got that among some other things. I found a book that uh, does comparisons between uh, season one of Game of Thrones and philosophical standpoints and theories. Nice. I got I got one of those for Star Wars. They're, those are those are quite always quite interesting to read. They're so fascinating the way they take a look at the comparisons like that. Yeah. And then what else did I get? Uh, I've been buying books and movies recently. I got uh, I got a Blu-ray of The Quiet Place Ooh. with John Krasinski and Emily Blunt. Great movie, by the way. Um, and I got the complete series of Star Trek Voyager. Not All too right. long ago. Uh, they only had like they only had like 12 left in stock so i went ahead and snatched up before they were out of stock so right not too shabby i've been i've been i've been keeping up with my uh with my library with my stock the interesting thing is i still got about 30 movies in my library that i haven't seen yet so before i buy anything new i probably need to watch the stuff i've currently got yeah yeah probably a good idea it is what it is um let me see. I had a thought, and I don't know where I was going with it. Um, let's just let's just go to that. Let, let's just go to the 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 scene where Harry ends up taking Snape's tears, and he he puts them into what is it called again? I, the it's, pen, it's the off pensive. The, the pensive, and he finally sees it all. Mm-hmm. I was very. Very happy with that scene. Yeah, it's a great. I scene. was very, very satisfied with everything that I saw in that scene. My only complaint would be that it wasn't long enough. <laughs> and I'm sure that the book probably goes into greater detail. I can only imagine what kind of imagery it evokes. Mm. But that particular scene made me f- feel like my weight was worth it. Yeah. You know, it it was one of those satisfying moments where I'm sitting here going, this is what I've been watching this whole movie for. Maybe not this whole series. It would have been a little bit longer. I would have said this series, but at least these two parts, I've been watching the deathly hallows for this moment. Yeah. Well, I mean, as as soon as, as soon as Snape kills Dumbledore and, and, Half-Blood Prince, there's so many questions that need to be answered about how that could happen and why it happened. And this scene delivers, like you said. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, 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 no. It, it's, it's, a, it's a great thought. It's a great continuation of, of my thought. It's, it, it is an answer to those questions, but it's, it's an answer to a lot more than that, too. Like the yeah. idea of Harry being kept alive just long enough for him to die at the most opportune time. Yeah. It's almost like all of the the niceties and all of the stuff of legend has been about a giant peace offering or or a giant sacrifice. Yeah. More than an actual legend. You know, at, at one point one of the movies they talk about him being the quote-unquote chosen one. Mhm. And that's not true at all. 
uh, uh, the only thing he's chosen for is he's been chosen for death. Yeah. And it's just such a tough subject to tackle that, you know, Snape's comparing it to a, a pig for slaughter, if yeah. you will. And all of a sudden, the niceties that he's been receiving, all of the the special treatment that he's been receiving, all of the talking that's been going on behind his back since he first arrived there, it's like all of that takes on a new meaning and a new context because there were people involved who knew what his endgame was expected to be, yeah. and they played along for the sake of their own livelihoods. Yeah. And it's so twisted. Mm-hmm. It's so incredibly twisted. And to think that Dumbledore was a part of it, to think that Albus was well, not, involved. Not just a part of it. The, the mastermind. Yeah, the orchestrator. He he planned all of this. He He's the one who who knew you know, Snape accuses him. You are keep, you're keeping him alive so he can die at the right moment. And, you know, it, it, and literally, you know, you, like you said, they say Harry was the chosen one. But, you know, once he dies, once that Horcrux that attached itself to him, once that part of Voldemort's soul that attached itself to him, once that dies, in a sense, Harry is no longer needed. And, you know, Dumbledore says you could just take the train. You know, go on, you know, wherever, wherever you want to go next, wherever, whatever is next for you. Um, you know, you don't have to go back is sort of the implication. And, uh, you know, we see that, you know, yeah, him being there is a great sort of motivator. And, and he is sort of the person he knows Voldemort best. He knows the weaknesses. He knows how to get him. Um, but even if he was just a symbol, even if he would just sort of represented an idea of, of bravery and, and standing up for what it means, we get from Neville's speech that the fight would have gone on and yep. they would have, they would have won in the end. They would have killed the snake and they, somebody would have got Voldemort. But, uh, you know, Harry's part of the story was done. He was, you know, in a sense, he's the chosen one because he's the symbol of, of, of resistance now. Um, but he, he after after the 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 accidental horcrux that attached itself to him once that's killed you know there is no more magical connection between him and voldemort now it's just personal this time it's personal you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean so that's that that is one thing that i guess if i had to find something to critique about this movie it's that um in in the first movie it's almost impossible to to find a horcrux mm. and in this movie they're finding a lot of them yeah well like yeah. All, all of us all of a sudden it's like oh here's one over here oh here's one over here oh i'm one hello like all of a sudden they're just popping up popping up popping up oh i know where this one is oh i know where this one is like after a while it's almost like it becomes just too easy mm. at certain points yeah, and, and the the book has that a little bit too. Like so much time is spent on the locket, um, that you know you would think. You yeah, know, you would I mean, have you've to. Got the, you've got the cop, you and you've got commit. you've got the diadem, which I really enjoyed the diadem mm-hmm. uh, storyline with uh, Helena Ravenclaw a yeah. lot more than I enjoyed uh, the you know discovering that that the one of the other Horcruxes is the snake or or even. You know the the exploration of of uh, Bellatrix's 
uh, vault. Oh, yeah. You know, the, this concept of, of the diadem and that, you know, somebody previously yeah. tried well, to find mm-hmm. it and make use of it and, and used it for evil. Like, we instantly know that that's Tom Riddle. Yeah. But it, it's just the way that they brought it about, the way that they conducted that portion of storytelling was fascinating. Yeah. And, what, I, and, and I also liked how... Um, Obviously, this movie—the end of this movie—coincides with the uh, the ending of another popular movie from this year, because you see Voldemort turning to dust, and obviously that's <laughs> when he got infected by by Thanos', Thanos snap from Avengers Infinity War. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Okay, okay. Explain that to me, what? Dominic. Please, Dominic, explain that disappearance to me. That was one part that when I keep going back to it, it doesn't make much sense because throughout the course of the entire series, the two of them have been linked. They've been bonded. Harry didn't die. So a part of Voldemort's soul still lives in him, doesn't it? No. When when he died, when when Voldemort killed him in the forest. What he actually he didn't actually kill Harry. He, he what he did was he, he killed the portion he of killed, his, he killed the Horcrux. He killed the Horcrux. Yeah, he killed the portion of his soul that was that had attached itself to Harry. So he committed suicide without even realizing he did it. Exactly, because he didn't know that he had done it. Like he, the, he as Dumbledore Dumbledore says, I don't, I'm not sure if Dumbledore says it in the movie, but he certainly puts it this way in the book. You're the Horcrux he never meant to make. Um, and uh, he did. He did say he something say, to to that extent, but it didn't sound like he had eliminated that portion. Is that what the little creature, the creature in the station is. is supposed to be? That's what it's supposed to be. Yeah. Okay. Because I I didn't necessarily take it that way. I I for some reason took that as you know how in Doctor Who the tenth Doctor kind of like rapidly accelerates and he turns into like this tiny little creature that lives in a cage that the master toys with. Unfortunately, I remember that. Yeah. So that's, that was like the first image that came to my mind Mm. was like a rapidly accelerated Voldemort essentially. Mm -hmm. Like the, the, the image that I got was because Harry is now dead and he he is existing outside of space and time that look that he gets right there is what's left of the now eternal Voldemort. He's living forever, but at what cost? Mm. It, that was that yeah. was the image that I first got when I looked at that for some reason. Yeah, in a, in a sense, there's there's a there's a bit of that going on. Like you know, like it's it's sort of a very sort. Of, in a way, it's sort of visualizing what the Horcrux is in in the sense like that's part of his soul, but it's not. You know, his soul is so chopped up at this point that it's it's, um, you know, it's kind of, you know, his life, his life is kind of, you know, it's not that great. Um, but he's but he's choosing to live forever over, you know, living a full life a full and having right. his full soul intact. But no, it's, uh, you know, Harry dying. It's it's, you know, it's very much the sort of the myth- mythological trope of the hero has to sort of die and come back. Um, so he sort of he dies he, he dies so that the 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 Horcrux can die. By the way, did you guys did you guys see that coming? Did you know? Did, is that something you, you you predicted? Were you surprised? Not surprised. I I didn't predict it. I, I didn't. I don't know why. It's, it seems it's funny. In after the fact, it seems pretty seems pretty clear that that was a possibility. Of course, like I'm just watching these movies like 
a few weeks apart. I'm sure people that watch them or, you know, yeah, it was, um, it, it, you know, it, read the books like years apart would be like, hey, this is something that might be a possibility. Oh yeah, I w- I was following the fan theories big time between Order of the Fe- um not Order of the Phoenix, uh, Half Blood Prince and Deathly Hallows, and that was that was a very popular theory that that sprung up was that mm-hmm. Harry was the Harry was a Horcrux. Um, Zach, I what- kind of I I kind of got that idea. I kind of got that impression, especially when they started talking about Horcruxes and what they can do and the. And the fact that he had a connection to Voldemort himself, mm. I I had I had a suspicion, but then when it was confirmed in the vision, I was like, "Holy crap, that is awesome!" <laughs> you yeah. know, I I heard I heard that that J.K. Rowling actually had the ending that she from the from the time she wrote the first book, she had this ending in mind. Yeah, there's there's a story there's a sort of a story that she had like an envelope full of the ideas for the seventh book and that she wrote that epilogue that we see um way back when she was writing the first one. That that was sort of she always envisioned that as the final scene of the of the story. And and for a, a long time it was going to be she said that she knew what the final word of the book was going to be. And then at the last minute changed it. She added an extra sentence. <laughs> so it didn't. Uh, <laughs> so she'd been saying for years, I know what the last word of the story is. And then like, you know, a couple months before Deathly Hallows comes out, she's like, I had that idea and then I changed it. <laughs> so, you know, it just sort of goes to show that the writing process is fluid. Um, but yeah, she, she definitely had a lot of ideas. Um, planned out ahead of time and, and uh, you know, knew what she was building towards across these, these seven books and eight movies. Uh, yeah. And that's, 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 I think that's the strength of the story, especially, you know, Harry's story that, you know, you can't necessarily, I think a lot of stories can be accused of writing themselves into a corner quite literally. And this would, this did not feel like that. This felt like, okay, this was something that was, you know, in mind you know that was a that that was a thing all along it wasn't something that was thought up after the fact that harry being one of the horcruxes which you know horcruxes aren't even introduced in these films until way later on yeah but it's a thing that is there from the beginning Mm -hmm. yeah it's it's yeah it's just you you go back to to um I mean, Chamber of Secrets. We see the first one destroy the first one in a way. Um, but the yeah, you're right. It's it's imbued from the beginning, and uh, it it comes full circle in the end. Um, I, I want to ask you guys about the the scene uh, between Harry and Dumbledore in King's Cross Station, uh, because mm-hmm. my opinion of that scene is very much colored by what I know happened in the book. Um, and I, I I'm curious what you guys thought of that moment because. Uh, yeah, just just what what'd you think of that sort of final conversation between those two? I I loved it. You loved it? I, I think that's probably one of the probably one of the best scenes. And it didn't I will say I don't I didn't it took me reading up on this movie a little bit to understand that, oh, by the way, Harry can go back. Like I knew he was gonna go back. But I didn't get that impression from the dialogue that, oh, he's not actually dead because and it wasn't clear to me, like what was actually going on there. But I mean, you, of course, I mean, it's it's pretty obvious thing. But I think 
you know, getting that one final moment with with Dumbledore was great. Mm. Zach, what about you? It was a cool chance for him to say goodbye, but you know, meeting a a uh, being outside of the spiritual plane in a pure white area is not exactly an original concept. Mm. And so I enjoyed it for what it was. And I enjoyed that he got an opportunity to get some closure that he didn't have in reality. But if I was to look at, you know, the encountering of, of beings that exist outside of time and space on a neutral white plane like that, um, I still probably would need to give the edge to uh, Star Trek Deep Space Nine. I feel like they, <laughs> I feel like, I feel like they did it best. I, I like that he got to say goodbye to Dumbledore, but um, you know, there, there were just some elements of it that either felt a little cliche or they felt confusing. Like that, that piece of of Dumbledore's spirit that turned out to be the Horcrux dying. That was not very well described and until you told me about it a few minutes ago i didn't even know what i was looking at Mm. and so you know if if you're going to make it that crucial of a sequence it needs to be a little bit more clearly laid out as to what the end game is in mind i suppose yeah and and here's where um even making deathly hallows into two movies still doesn't fully capture the spirit of the book uh, because so much of the book dealt with Harry questioning Dumbledore, questioning his relationship with Dumbledore, questioning everything he ever knew about Dumbledore. You get that a little bit at the beginning of part one. You get that a little bit with Aberforth, but you don't get a ton of it in that movie. Uh, but it's it's something that's a, a much a much stronger subplot in in the in in the in the in the novel and. I, I sort of compare it to the the Snape scene we were just talking about, that these were sort of two moments in the story of, like, at the end of the story of everything coming together and all of your questions that you've been wondering about across the previous seven books and or six books and seven movies, uh, you're getting your answers here. And I think that the, the movie adapted the Snape scene so wonderfully and so so well, and it... it, it, it delivered on on everything you were looking for but but this scene in in the novel the harry dumbledore scene um it it relied a lot more on on this sort of questioning of of dumbledore that went on throughout the novel and went was that harry was thinking about a lot and so there's a lot more of dumbledore explaining himself explaining how explaining the decisions that he made throughout the series and it, it it feels a lot more fulfilling the way the Snape scene is a lot more fulfilling because you get that answer of why was Snape acting the way he did throughout the series and you get that in the book of why was Dumbledore acting the way he did uh and and, and it's it, it's 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 I think it's a lot stronger in the in, in the book and so I, I even remember when I first saw the movie and and seeing the 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 adaptation of it and thinking man that was that was too short they they didn't they didn't capture enough of it because it's a full chapter the chapter that this scene in and of itself is just one chapter but it's a, it's a long chapter and it's almost all dialogue and it, it it dumbledore explains everything from his his like it, it explains himself like he doesn't just like sit down and go well now i'm going to tell you my biography but all of the decisions he made surrounding the hallows uh and and the horcruxes and harry himself and voldemort it all 
gets tied together really nicely and you learn so much about who Dumbledore is and who Dumbledore was and the and the journey that he went on in his life that uh it, it felt so satisfying as as a as an ending as or as a as a chapter in the ending uh so that you could now you can now Harry can go back and just save the day every everything else everything else makes sense now the world makes sense and now it's time to to rid this world of evil, so to speak. And, and, and the movie doesn't quite convey that, unfortunately, although it still captures a, a couple of nice moments, including, uh, including some of the, some of Dumbledore's more iconic lines. Um, but yeah, so it, it was one of those moments where it was a little bit, a little bit, um, like, ah, uh, just doesn't quite the adaptation and the, and the novel is better here. And the, 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 but, uh, you know, and, and I wish the, I wish the movie could have captured that a little bit more. But so be it. And, well, and yeah. they are there. I mean, and the other thing to, to acknowledge is so much of, of Dumbledore's past that gets discussed that sort of informed his the decisions he made in the earlier books that like, that gets discussed in the in, in the in the novel chapter. It looks like we're going to going to revisit at least some of that in, in Fantastic Beasts. So, you know. Yeah, and I think going back, I mean, either way, like if whether it's the book or the movie or whatever, like I think it's important when in a movie that's that's a lot about Dumbledore has flashbacks with with Dumbledore is, you know, and that relationship between Dumbledore and Harry is so strong that when you have a reveal like that of like this was the plan all along, this is what Dumbledore was planning. And he's not around anymore. It's important to address that and go let let those two characters have one more moment together before they're you know separated you know permanently. Yeah. So I think that was important for that scene to you know that's what makes it so satisfying is that you know you have Dumbledore is absent for so much you know absent for one movie and then coming back is really satisfying. See him once more and have one last moment with Harry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you still get that. You still get that sort of uh, full circle feeling of uh, Harry and Dumbledore together again. Um, so it, 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 you still get that. I'm just saying the book is better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, that's all I'm saying. That Isn't seems that always that, the that, case. Yeah, though? I was about to say that seems to be a trend. I don't think I've ever seen an instance or a situation where somebody says they prefer the movie or the TV show over the book. I, I'll, here, I'll give you an example. I think um, King Robert in the first season of Game of Thrones is a far more interesting character than King Roberts in A Game of Thrones by George R.R. R. Martin. Okay, but that's one character, like one sequence, not like the entire story is better. Well, his, I'd say his entire story arc is, is better, but yeah, I, I see what you mean. I'm, I'm talking like if somebody were to watch the Chronicles of Narnia and say they liked the Voyage of the Dawn Treader movie more than the Voyage of the Dawn Treader book, that person would not live for longer than another 10 seconds. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. I, I'm just, oh my gosh. There was so much of a cluster about that movie. I don't even know where to begin. Um, but I do want to talk about the end game before we run out of time. Okay. Um, the, the, the final sequence harry versus voldemort we've been waiting for this for freaking forever and i i me personally i've i've got to to make mention before we talk about any other sequence before he dissipates before any of that other stuff that that happens i love it 
when they're they're standing up at the top of a very high place and Harry's kind of teasing him to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. And rather than calling him my lord, rather than addressing him as Voldemort, rather than jokingly calling him you-know-who to his face, he gives him the deepest jab possible by addressing him by his former first name of Tom. Yeah. Oh, that gave me chills. Oh, that gave me chills. Because even his own followers don't like to address him by his new name. Nobody, but nobody talks about Tom Riddle anymore. And to call him Tom to his face was the kind of slap no hand can give. Yep. Oh, it was brutal. And I loved every second of it. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's great. And it, it it's um the the, the the sort of the the setting of of Harry and, and Voldemort's final showdown is quite is, is 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 a bit different in the book, but that moment where he calls him Tom is uh, it, it carried over, and it and it would have been wrong not to include that in the in the adaptation, and and yeah, just the the it's 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 like you said it's it's the most cutting thing he could do to him and it's it's something he learned from Dumbledore who's the only other character we've ever seen called Tom Riddle Tom Riddle when's Albus Dumbledore so was it mm-hmm. was it was it meant to be an homage to Dumbledore then or was it meant to just be a verbal jab both probably a bit of both cuz cuz Dumbledore did Dumbledore did it as a as a jab as well or or maybe not quite as a jab but um, well, but didn't Dumbledore know him as Tom, though? As a as a kid, yeah, he did, and, and so as a student, in, yeah. In in that context, it's it's almost like if Palpatine were to address Vader as Anakin. Mm, yeah, he he knew him as Anakin. He knew him before he took on the dark title. And so, like in that in that scene in Empire Strikes Back, he's like, "I have no doubt that this boy is the offspring of Anakin Skywalker." He's using that term because he knows it means something to the former Anakin Skywalker. Yeah. And I guess Harry knows that context now because he's done his research and because he's been around the right people. But calling him that for from from Dumbledore's perspective just makes me think, yeah, you knew him as Tom. And in your opinion, Tom isn't completely gone yet or Maybe you're doing it to try and evoke some sort of emotional reaction from him or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it, I don't know if it was meant to be as much a playful barb as maybe an appeal to whatever part of Tom's conscience may still exist in there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I I think I think with Harry, it's a yeah, it's definitely a jab at like, you know, it's I'm, definitely I, it's a barb a, it's on a, Harry's yeah, part. It, it's, a, it's an I'm not afraid of you. Uh, kind of moment. Whereas with Dumbledore, I'm sort of thinking about the scene in, in Order of the Phoenix. You know, he says you shouldn't, you should not have come here tonight, Tom. It's almost in there. It's almost like he's like trying to throw him off a little bit. Like it's not supposed to necessarily hurt him as much as it's supposed to like distract him, uh, or or you know put him off his game just a little bit by by um, conf- not necessarily confusing him, but getting him to focus on the wrong thing. Um, whereas with Harry, yeah, it's he's just trying to twist the knife that you know or 
I guess he's not hasn't stabbed him yet, but you know what I mean. You had the better metaphor, the slap no hand can deliver. That's way better than anything I can come up with right now. <laughs> and I did that on Happy Juice. Yay me! Woohoo! <laughs> I've almost made it all the way through the episode, guys. Look at me. I'm so proud of myself. Yeah, really. <laughs> uh, before we get to final thoughts, we're just going to pause real quick for program identification and a quick commercial break, but we'll see you in just a few seconds as we wrap up our discussion and final thoughts of Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2. Greetings, this is Obi-Wan Kenobi, and I have drifted into the underworld. The Star Wars underworld. I have a bad feeling about this. Hey y'all, this is Ben Hart here. I know y'all just heard me on the IPC talking all things geeky and fun. Now I'm here to tell y'all about my other podcast. It's called The Star Wars Underworld, about all things Star Wars. We talk Star Wars The Clone Wars, Star Wars The Force Awakens, Star Wars Last Jedi, Rogue One, A Star Wars Story, and so much more. I record it with my friends Chris and Dominic, who are here to tell y'all all about it. Hello, Chris. Hello, Ben. I'm so excited to talk about Star Wars this week. It's fun. It's funny. We're going to have a great time. Hey, guys, I am so nostalgic for mall packaging, and I love being on the Star Wars Underworld podcast talking all the latest Star Wars news. Well, now that y'all had a little taste of the show and you know what to expect, you should check out more episodes by going to StarWarsUnderworld.com or by searching for the show on the iTunes, the Apple Podcast, the Google Play, and all sorts of things. And may the Force be with y'all. It's a wrap, eh? Obi-Wan Kenobi and I have drifted into the lower levels, the underworld. Hi, y'all. All right. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Still, my just f- when I thought, just when I thought I'd gotten that out of my head. I love uh, that. Was so that was one. I of have the- to listen to it every week when I edit into the show, and it's the best. I I was so much fun to record. I still have the raw recordings. And I keep meaning to cut together a blooper reel. You that that raw recording is amazing. You have to get that out. It's glorious. It's glorious. Just the first take when we're trying so hard not to lie. <laughs> and I, it's just I, uh, I like I re- I just kept repeating my lines because uh I think the only way I could have possibly done that would be if I did it independently from you guys and then somebody stitched it together. No. Nah. That's the only way that's the only way I could have possibly made nah. it through that. Yeah, it was it was good. Good. Okay, we're back. It's time for final thoughts on Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part Two. 
and maybe just on Harry Potter as a whole. Uh, ben, this has been quite an adventure. Yep. This this has been quite an adventure touring the wizarding world and experiencing everything from a three-headed dog to uh, a magical cup with things that are on the Olympic scale, but for wizards. And now we're seeing the end game and the final results of, of everything that's been building up since the first episode. And, uh, you know, we've been, we've been following Harry Potter and, and his crazy zany adventures since early this year. And it's kind of coming to a close now. What are your final thoughts on this movie and on this franchise? Oh man, that's, a tall order that's a lot of thoughts and i've had a lot of thoughts and i've uh i've enjoyed this quite a bit i've i enjoyed this movie very much so i think it was a great conclusion to an overall arcing story and just these movies in general i've enjoyed and you know this is as, as you guys know my first time ever doing harry potter i i did the ride i did all that I did the Harry Potter land, but uh, no, no Harry you, Potter you until drank right butter now. Beer. Yeah, yeah, I, I did the whole works, and uh, I got drunk on butterbeer. Yay! Oh, I'm drunk. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I mean, it's just I, I now I understand people. I understand, I understand why what, what all the hubbub was about about Harry Potter, and uh, I'm looking forward to revisiting these. I'm also looking forward to fantastic beast which is second one's coming out in just a few days and uh and uh, i'm looking forward to watching the first one and the second one of those and uh continuing that so uh yeah it's it's been a great great fun it's a great great journey it's always i've always as i've said many times before it's a blast you know watching these movies and also getting to discuss them on this show it's been an absolute pleasure I've enjoyed this one, and I'm looking forward to talking more Harry Potter in the future. I'm looking forward to revisiting these with, you know, the hindsight, because it's always weird watching them the first time anyway. So I'm going to give this one probably 8.5 out of 10, I think, is the thing that I will give to these this movie in, in general. Um, as far as rating them overall, I'm not going to do that. I'm, I'm afraid of <laughs> But, no, um, no, no, and, no. And, and the last thing I want to say for tonight, because unfortunately I do have to run, guys. I, I I hate to say that. It's been a pleasure tonight. And uh, but yeah, these this whole journey, and I want to continue it. But it's, it's sad that it's come to an end. Been fun. Thanks, Dominic, for sticking with us, and we hopefully you'll you'll stick with us a bit further, and uh, should be a lot of fun. Thanks, Ben. Oh, man. So he gives this one an 8.5. That's Mr. Benjamin Hart. For those of you who don't know where to find him on the internet, go find him at Ben Hart with no E. You know where to find me. Spell that out phonetically. You should know where to find him. Apparently you people know where to find him more than you know where to find me. (laughs) I was at 430 followers last week. I'm down to 428. What's wrong with you people? Come on. (laughs) Lucy. I don't know what oh, I do wrong. No, I'm sorry. I just I'm laughing. I'm laughing in pity at you. I'm sorry. Oh, thanks. That's supposed to make <laughs> me feel better. Look, I'll retweet you more if that. That'll make you feel better. 
you know, whenever you do that, that's actually some of the highest engagement rate I get all week. It's like, Ben Hart retweeted your post. Oh, look, another 300 people looked at your tweet. Well, no crap. That's because he's got like 700 more followers than I do. <laughs> I'm not... And it's funny because I just like there's weeks that go by. I don't even tweet anything. Like, like, I don't even know. I feel like your Twitter is linked to your Facebook, though, because I see a lot of similar posts on both platforms. I think he it just. Used I think be. he just double posts. No, I, I, I meticulously double post everything. I used to be connected, but not anymore. I, I, I post something here, post something there, and uh, that makes it look a little bit better. But uh, yeah, so don't know why. King, I put you're just the king of time. posting. Then is what you're doing to me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, okay, so... Thanks a lot, fun, guys. It's been a good one. <laughs> fun fact, Ben gave Deathly Hallows Part 1 a 9.5. Ooh. So, apparently, you actually liked Part 1 more than Part 2. I Yeah, I think I did. I think I did. I don't know, though. I don't know. Uh, uh, <laughs> it's hard. It's I got I to gotta let you stew on that for a little while while you leave us. <laughs> yeah, I'm gone for real this time. I promise. Maybe <laughs> he says that, and then we just can't get rid of him. But uh, Dom, I'm gonna I'm gonna slide it over to you now. What uh, what do you make of how they they wrapped up this uh, this series, this franchise, as far as the cinema is concerned? Yeah. What did what did, what did you make of it? I I think I think Deathly Hallows Part Two is a really a, a really good uh, adaptation. I, it, it's um. In a sense, it's it's one of the best because it it had the most time to to deal with the material that it had. You know, unlike uh, Half Blood Prince or or Order of the Phoenix or Goblet of Fire, where they you know tried to stick a six hundred page novel into a two hour two and a half hour movie. Um, they really took their time with this one, and I I, I really appreciated that. Um, I think they do a really really good job. They give us some great moments, as we talked about Harry and 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 Snape, the, uh, their their confrontation, the the Snape. Uh, um, backstory uh, flashback scenes are, are excellent. The Harry, Harry, Ron, and Hermione stuff that we get is is lovely. The Harry and Ginny stuff is good. The Harry and Luna stuff is excellent. Um, it's it's a really a really solid uh, a, a adaptation, a really solid finale, and and Deathly Hallows just sort of across the board. I think um, I don't know if we could have asked for a better ending to this series. I think it it, it delivered in in just about every way. So I'll, I'll give. Um, I'll give the movie itself uh, a, a nine out of ten, and I'll, I'll also say I, I mentioned a couple times whenever I brought up the book the most egregious bit of uh, it's in the book, but not and only half explained in the movie. Um, it's in this one and a bit in the last one, but the mirror that Al- Aberforth has, how Harry comes mm-hmm. to own that shard of glass, is just totally skipped, <laughs> just totally skipped in yeah. the. Uh, in in the in the movie and he just kind of has it all of a sudden at the beginning of deathly house part one but that that one always bothered me the most as like just kind of like oh we forgot to include it in the other ones meh screw it just pretend like it's always been there um but that's that that one always really bothered me it's kind of like come on guys you, you either introduce it earlier or come up with a reason to introduce it now don't pretend it's been there the whole time but uh that's that's just me but uh, uh yeah so I'll i'll give this one as a as a, as just a, a solid nine out of ten. Uh, I think I'm going to follow suit with you. Actually, um, there were there were a lot of things that I enjoyed about this movie, and and a lot fewer things that uh, 
I would critique. I'll, I'll put it that way. Compared to compared to last week when I was when I was critiquing things probably left and right, it felt like I felt like I was more along for the ride with this movie. I was just very laid back. I was very engaged. I was just enjoying it for what it was rather than wishing it was something else. Mm. And I think that's what the conclusion of a series is supposed to be. I think it's supposed to be something that you just soak it all in and you appreciate it for what it is. And you recognize that this is how the story wraps up. And so if, it, if this is how it wraps up, you need to embrace and appreciate every moment. And I feel like I did that. Everything from watching uh, Headmaster Snape overseeing you know, a, a very militaristic Hogwarts at the beginning of the movie, all the way to the train's departure at the end of the movie. It was a very, very enjoyable ride. You know, M- McGonagall's use of of a of a spell that she's never gotten to use before for the sake of <laughs> of defending the school. She looked like a schoolgirl herself using that particular spell. And to to see that there's that much whimsy and appreciation for magic, even at that age, mm-hmm. is part of what makes Harry Potter's universe so accessible is anybody of any age has the opportunity to enjoy it if they're willing to immerse themselves in it. And I definitely got a taste of immersion from watching this series over the course of this year. And I'm glad that we've committed to watching the Fantastic Beasts movies. I'm, I'm glad that I get an opportunity to see something from the Harry Potter universe in theaters this year. Mm, you, know, yeah. I, uh, you know, previously it really wasn't something that was on my radar. But now that I have an idea of what to expect and now that I have an idea of some of the characters... And the way that magic works, it's something that I actually have an opportunity to look forward to. And you mentioned Harry and Luna, and I mentioned it in the chat, <laughs> and I feel like it's worth mentioning now as well. Cinematically, I'm not somebody that's read the books, so I can't speak for their relationship in the books. But cinematically, I am a much bigger proponent of Harry and Luna than I am of Harry and Ginny. <laughs> I just am. And I'm not going to apologize for that. I, I I feel like Ginny sometimes forces her way into the scene um, on, on several occasions and shouldn't have been more than a supporting cast member. And the way Luna carries herself, particularly in this movie, Harry is is scrambling for answers to try and find the Ravenclaw diadem. And Luna is one of the few people in this in this whole world, in this whole universe, who's able to stamp her feet on a stairwell and tell him to stop, and he actually listens. In the midst of his brazenness and brash nature, and the way that he, he acts before he thinks nine times out of ten, that one time out of ten that he actually does stop and think things through is most of the time at the provocation of Luna Lovegood. Mm. And that is an intangible quality that I just don't feel like Jenny has. Mm. And to, to be able to access that part of Harry's persona and to, to help it make him a better person than he was before, I feel like Luna was a better 
match cinematically. I shipped them a heck of a lot more than I shipped him and Ginny. It's not a diss to to either actress or 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 a promotion of either actress. It's just story-wise, Harry's character seems to make more sense with another outcast rather than ending up with one of the Weasleys. Mm. That's just that's just the way the ball bounced my first time around watching it. Maybe the second time will be different. I don't know. But I do feel like the more you watch this series, the deeper an appreciation you gain for it. So I'm looking forward to round two when I do go back through these again and start observing and learning things that I didn't even see the first time through. Yeah, it's always it's always fun to revisit these things once once you've uh, once you've once you've seen it and you know the story and now you can just immerse yourself in the world and, and enjoy the little things, the little details. Um, it's always a it's always a joy to revisit these, and I, I I tend to revisit the Harry Potter movies, you know, once a year, usually sort of in a big chunk, not uh, spread out like this, but it's been a lot of fun. And I just wanna I wanna thank you and Ben Zach for uh, letting me come on this journey with you guys. I kind of invited myself on uh, back when you guys were sort of talking about doing this as an idea, and uh, it's been a, a it's been a lot of fun um, witnessing this the stories through through you guys' eyes. And uh, you know, seeing what uh, what sticks out to you on your fir- first viewing, and how that differed from from me back in the day, and it's it's been just such a joy to to revisit these movies and to to talk about them every every couple of months with you guys, and uh, uh, much in the way I felt sad when the first when the the book series ended, and then when the movie series ended, I'm I'm feeling a little bit a uh, little bit wistful and a little bit nostalgic about going back to you know episode 100 and whatever of of this show when we uh, first talked about Philosopher's Stone. Uh, but it's uh, it's been a it's been a real joy. It's been a ride, and uh, thank thank you guys for letting me be part of it. Oh, dude, thank you for joining us on this because honestly, I don't think either of us would have had a very solid idea of what we were doing if we didn't have your insight. So it's it's very much appreciated, and uh, hopefully. This isn't the end of our Harry Potter universe discussion. Nope. It's uh, it's only it's only the beginning. Maybe who knows? Yeah. Um, let me see. I'm trying to find out when we actually did get started on the Harry Potter universe. I'm seeing Goblet of Fire as uh, episode 188. Azkaban is 187. Our uh, Philosopher's Stone was 184. Wow. So our discussion began on episode episodes. 184, and what are we on now? 214. Yep, 30 episodes. It's it took it took us 30 weeks to get through the entire Harry Potter franchise, and in that span, we've also talked about Solo. We've talked about Incredibles 2. We've talked about several Pixar movies. We've discussed Zoomies in that time on an episode of R.I.P.C. We've discussed Ant Man and the Wasp. And let's see, what else have we discussed? We did our John Williams tribute in the middle of all that, and we've done the Hobbit trilogy while discussing uh, the Harry Potter universe. So we've covered a lot in 2018, and we've still got more to cover. But before we wrap things up for the night, we've got a couple of uh, pieces of business we need to get out of the way. While we're on the subject of thanks, just a special thank you to all our patrons that help keep the show running, including Joey Mays, Katie Horn, Jake Damon, Rachel Perry, Dan Grievous, and... Parker Ott. 
these guys have contributed their finances regularly to this program, and we could not do what we do without their help. And some of them have also just uh, further invested in uh, what we do by going to our, uh, our IPC swag page, as I like to call it. We've got a new edition up. As of this week, we've actually got some uh, hashtag BBQ watch stuff up All on our right. Public page, along with a couple of logos that can give you everything from T-shirts to stickers. And uh, Joey sent us a picture today that his sticker arrived, which means his shirts are not too far behind him. And uh, if you want to take a look at our BBQ watch stuff or take a look at our IPC stuff, just go visit tpublic.com forward slash user forward slash IPC podcast. It's pretty cool stuff. I got a BBQ shirt for myself that I'm going to try and wear on Thanksgiving Day. So be on the lookout for that on social media. Should be interesting. I'm not going to wear the formal wear everybody else wears. I'm wearing a brown barbecue themed t-shirt. You do you, man. You do you. Yeah, I'm totally doing me. Um, But... Uh, there's there's one element of the evening that we really really like to do. I'm sad that Ben couldn't stick around for it, but it's a it's a pretty crucial moment. We actually discussed this scene not too long ago, but rather than furthering our discussion of it, maybe we just let the characters do the talking instead. Uh, this is King's Crossing. Am I correct? Is that what they call it? Yeah, yeah, you could call it whatever you want. It's the scene in King's Cross. <laughs> it's the, the King's Cross. Okay, yeah. so King's Crossing. You know what that is? I think that is from Thomas the Tank Engine. Oh. I think there's a station that is called King's Crossing from Thomas the Tank Engine. Wow, I'm really reliving like some of my childhood vicariously yeah. tonight. Yeah, you really are. Um, <laughs> but I'm I'm gonna shut up now and let. Harry and, and Albus Dumbledore do the talking. It's the scene from the heavenly King's Cross, and it's tonight's quote of the night. Where would you say that we are? Well, it looks like King's Cross Station, only cleaner and without all the trains. King's Cross, is that right? This is, as they say, your party. I expect you now realize that you and Voldemort have been connected by something other than fate since that night in Godric's Hollow all those years ago. So it's true then, sir. A part of him lives within me, doesn't it? Did. It was just destroyed many moments ago by none other than Voldemort himself. You were the Horcrux he never meant to make, Harry. I have to go back, haven't I? Oh, that's up to you. I have a choice. Oh, yes. We're in King's Cross, you say? I think if you so desired, you'd be able to board a train. And where would it take me? (laughs) On. Voldemort has the Elder Wand. True. And the snake's still alive. 
Yes. And I've nothing to kill it with. Help will always be given at Hogwarts, Harry, to those who ask for it. I've always prized myself on my ability to turn a phrase. Words are, in my not-so-humble opinion, our most inexhaustible source of magic, capable of both inflicting injury and remedying it. But I would, in this case, amend my original statement to this. Help would always be given at Hogwarts to those who deserve it. Do not pity the dead, Harry. Pity the living. And above all, all those who live without love. Professor, my mother's Patronus was a doe, wasn't it? That's the same as Professor Snape's. It's curious, don't you think? Actually, if I think about it, it doesn't seem curious at all. I'll be going now, Harry. Professor? Is this all real? Or is it just happening inside my head? Of course it's happening inside your head, Harry. Why should that mean that it's not real? So many great Dumbledore-isms in there. Everything from, you know, revisiting the help will always be given to those who ask for it, to his line about uh, words uh, being the most our most inexhaustible source of magic. Um, one of my favorite lines is the, you know, of course it's happening inside your head, but why on earth should that mean it's not real? Um, but of course, the perhaps perhaps most iconic Dumbledore line, uh, don't pity the dead, pity the living, and above all, pity those who live without love. Dumbledore, man. He's so wise. Just so wise. Oh, man. I don't know if I have the words. Yeah. It's it's such an appropriate sense of full circle. You know, back 30 episodes ago, we had uh, a quote of the night between Harry and Dumbledore at Hogwarts. Yeah. And now we get to close out our discussion with another Harry and Dumbledore dialogue. It's just fitting. It's just absolutely fitting. I don't fitting. think I'd want to have it any other way. Would not want it any other way. Same here. Oh, man. So we do have one more segment to talk about tonight. And this one's this one's going to be interesting because it, it's rather uh, spur of the moment. Uh, I came up with it uh, actually driving home from work tonight is on it, my way to the podcast. That's it, it, how spontaneous and spur of the moment this that, particular topic is. Isn't that how all of these are now? Like, I for feel the like most that, part. <laughs> it's just, for the most part. When, when you whatever get Zach over, was thinking about. <laughs> when you get over 200 episodes, sometimes you run out of ideas and you just come up with one, damn it. So it's going to be like that again for the next couple of minutes. Ladies and gentlemen, get out your hashtags. If you're listening live, then put it in the chat. If you're listening on social media, which I would say about 95% of you are, then put it on social media. We do a fairly regular check, a couple of times a quarter, I guess, just to see how you're doing, and we'll talk about it on the show. So use it, and use it right now, because it is time 
to look on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, and everything else in between for that iconic IPC segment that now comes with T-Public merchandise. Hashtag BBQ Watch. Barbecue. 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 Okay, so I work at my school's athletic department. And they sometimes provide food for the more mm, generous sponsors of the program. Okay. And tonight there were leftovers. Ooh. And I was allowed to help myself to some of the stuff that the rich people did not partake of. <laughs> And okay. it was it was it was a fair spread. It was things like burgers and chips and you know different toppings and things you could put on your burgers. It wasn't anything like filet mignon, but it was good. It was good. I made myself a double cheeseburger and I put some some mayo and mustard on it. And then I realized that there was a side dish at the end of the table that I didn't know was there and didn't leave enough room. On my teeny tiny little plate for. Uh-oh. It was a big leftover platter of potato salad. Ooh. And I'm a fan of potato salad because I'm a barbecue boy. That's one thing that you get as a side item when you have barbecue sometimes. And you have it at, like, cookouts and, you know, dinners and things like that sometimes. So I was kind of interested in having some potato salad, but I didn't really have the space for it. So what I did was I took my bun of my burger and all it had on it was some onion and some mustard. I let the onion fall onto the other part of the bun that had the meat and the cheese and all that was left was the mustard. Well, potato salad is kind of a mustard base among other things. And I took a big honking spoonful of that and I put it on my burger instead of on my teeny little plate. Hmm. And I just ate a potato salad double cheeseburger with extra mustard. Okay. It was pretty tasty. All right. It took it took a long time to uh to consume, but it was good. And uh it, it just made me think if it's all going to the same place anyways. Mm-hmm. Why not eat it together? Suppose. And and so the, 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 the whole bunny trail, the whole rabbit trail that this is leading up to is the idea of sides on your barbecue sandwich instead of where they usually belong, which is on the side. If you were to do it, first of all, let me let me just get your thoughts, Dom, on the idea of putting sides on the sandwich in the first place. And secondly, if it's something that you think is doable, how would you do it? Um, 
generally I'm not necessary. I'm not usually in favor of, of combining things. I usually like things, you know, separately on the plate. Okay. But, but I, I have been known to enjoy like a, a, an onion ring on a, on a, on a burger or something like that, or, on, or not on a burger on like a pulled pork sandwich. Okay. Okay. That, 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 um, uh, like an onion ring or, or just sort of grilled onions that are or not grilled onions, uh, fried onions that are like, you know, they're basically onion rings. They're just not in a ring. Uh, they're like uh-huh. deep, deep fried and all that. I, I quite like that on my on my uh, pulled pork. Whenever I go to San Diego Comic-Con, I, I um the little restaurant right by the convention center that does uh, a really nice pulled pork sandwich. And they put a bunch of that on top and you get a whole bunch of fries and, you know, they you know, like during the convention, you know, they've got so many people going through that, you know, they put a normal amount of pulled pork. But if you go like the day before or the day after when you're just like with the regulars, they lay on the amount of it's like so much pulled pork that I'm just like I'm, I, was, I was like this year before uh, before Comic-Con on Wednesday, I was just like I was so happy. <laughs> just like the sandwich was like falling apart in my hands. I'm like, this is glorious. I've been waiting all year for this, and it uh, certainly lived up. So you know that that kind of thing. But generally, I want my French fries next to my pulled pork, or I want my onion rings next to my burger, and uh, that's that's more or less how how I would uh, how how I would uh, would go about it. By the way, have you ever seen the um, Saturday Night Live sketch where uh, Chadwick Boseman plays Black Panther? Um, and he he reprises his role as T'Challa, and he goes on. <laughs> goes on black jeopardy um and he has this whole riff about potato salad when you were talking about potato salad i thought that's where you were going with it (laughs) um but it's it's really it's really funny if for no other reason than just to see chadwick boseman playing black panther in a situation outside of you know the marvel movies uh but he has this he, he has this whole riff about potato salad that's um, about potato salad it's quite good Nah, that that's probably one worth discussing when we're talking about the mcu or something that's that's one to log away in the back pocket Mm. although i must admit my favorite um my favorite jeopardy parody Mm. is jeff pretty i've never seen that one oh man oh oh man you can with your mixer you can play just about any yeah any YouTube video, right? Yep, yep. Okay, I'm pretty sure if you go to YouTube and you just type in Jeopardy, it'll show up. And it's hilarious. Uh, J-E-F-F-P-A-R-D-Y. Okay. Uh, it's, right, from, I've, I've, it's, from three, it's from three years ago and has 3.7 million views, a minute 25. Right. I've, I've, got, I've got the video. I've got the video. All right, here, here we go. Here we go. Introducing today's contestants, a director of semantic technology from Charlottesville, Virginia, Jeff, an IT manager from Sharon, Massachusetts, Jeff, and our returning champion, a bakery owner from Knoxville, Tennessee, Jeff, whose one-day cash winnings total $8,100. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to our show. Good champion in Jeff. And Jeff. And Jeff. Happy to welcome you to our program as well. Here are the categories. First off, Jeff. 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 
and Jeff. Um, let's try Jeff for 200. Jeff. Jeff. What is Jeff? Yes. Um, Jeff for 400. Jeff. Jeff. What is Jeff? That's right. Uh, Jeff for 600. Jeff. 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 What is San Francisco? No. Jeff. What is Jeff? Right again. Jeff for a thousand. Jeff, 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 Jeff. And that would be Jeff. Oh, that's pretty good. That's pretty that's pretty good. I quite like that. That's good. I love it where somebody asks, what is San Francisco? No. That's the best part. That that's the best. What is San Francisco? No. What is Jeff? Yes. You've got uh. to get with the program. <laughs> <laughs> this is Jeff Purdy. Mm. <laughs> oh, man, you can tell I'm a little out of it. <laughs> yeah, it's good. It's all good. Oh, <laughs> uh, Before I get too out of it, a reminder to go follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at IPC Podcast. I told you you can go find Ben at Ben Hart with no E. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Zach underscore DFW. You can also find us on iTunes, Google Play, and our host site, ipcpodcast.podbean.com. You can also find certain episodes of IPC on Dominic's website. He's the head writer over there, so I'm going to call it his website. It's mine, yeah. StarWarsUnderworld.com. And, Dom, what else can people find if they were to go over to that little website of yours? Well, this week, not much. Um, but usually... <laughs> kind of a slow week. Huh? Usually, there's there's a lot of Star Wars news. And there was, there was a pretty big announcement, the whole Cassian show. Uh, and all that. So you find tons of Star Wars news, a bunch of Star Wars podcasts, including the weekly Star Wars Underworld podcast, where we break down the past week's news. So obviously we spent a lot of time talking about Cassian on uh, on our most recent episode, and also the Kazuta cast, which reviews episodes of Star Wars Resistance, the animated series on the Disney Channel. So uh, both of those shows are a lot of fun. You should check them out. Um, and there's other shows that pop up uh, over there as well, like Kanjicast and The Clone Wars Strikes Back. Uh, it's good stuff. So, yeah, StarWarsUnderworld.com. And if people wanted to follow you personally, how would they go about doing that? At DominicJ25. That's me. Tweet about Star Wars and hockey and Harry Potter and politics and, and other things. Game of Thrones when and, it comes back. And hopefully. Game of Thrones. Oh, yeah. Game of Thrones. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely, definitely. Oh, man, I am so ready for that. I know. It's still I'm so far away. So ready for it to come back. Uh, we actually did uh, an episode of RIPC talking about that Entertainment Weekly article, uh, Sean mm-hmm. Giroux and I. So if you guys are interested, you can go find us on a new hosting site. Um, we were trying out a new platform for RIPC, and you can go find our R-rated extension show on Anchor. It's a really interesting new platform. I've never really used it before, and it's it's interesting. Um, but they, they do a lot of really cool distribution, among other things. And uh, we've, got some, we've got some pretty cool new places that you can listen to us on. You can find us at um, anchor.fm slash ripcpod. But it's also posting to Apple, to Google, and to Spotify, among other places. So go have a listen to that sometime if you're looking for a more 
R-rated adult-themed IPC where it's okay to get drunk and shoot the crap. I'm not going to say the other one because then Ben would have to bleep me out. (laughs) There's no censoring. There's no bleeping. There's nothing like that over there. So be sure to go check out RIPC sometime. Dom, you and I need to have like a like a Game of Thrones speculation on there or something sometime. I'd love just to. to. Just to get the ball rolling and get uh, into even deeper anticipation for when that final series does finally come about. Yeah, definitely. Definitely, definitely. Oh, man. I'm looking forward to that. And I'm looking forward to next week. As Ben alluded to, we are not done with our trips to the Wizarding World, we're just switching continents. <laughs> we start our discussion on Fantastic Beasts by looking at Fantastic Beasts and where to find them next week. Then we're going to take a break in observance of uh, America's Thanksgiving holiday. And then at the end of the month, we may be looking at even more Fantastic Beasts. So stay tuned. But for now... I think we need to call it a night. I'm officially putting this one to bed. Dominic, thank you again for joining us on this episode. It was a pleasure, as always. Uh, It's been a blast. Thank you so much for having me. Episode 214 is officially in the books. For Dominic and Ben, my name is Zach. Thank you for tuning in with us. We hope you'll tune in next week. But until then, we just want to leave you with this final thought. The swiftest path to destruction is through vengeance. We hope that your path leads us to IPC next week. But until then, good night, everyone.